Everyone ready? Here we go. Das Boot. The, do you ever see the movie, the German U-Boat? You know what? The name rings a bell. everyone. Welcome to Stinky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. I'm Ian Boothby. That's and how we start the show. That's how we start the show. Yeah, you've done it almost 400 times. <laughs> but it's funny that when you go to do it, you forget. Yeah. Because I was going to say, hi, everyone. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. No, I sort of normally say, isn't it? Yeah. You used to say, uh, say welcome name to first. the leaky flagon. That's <laughs> what I usually say. Yeah. And then I... I was going to say my name first, though, yeah. and that would have messed me up. Hi, welcome entirely. to Weekly Bragon, where every Ooh. week we brag about something that's fairly weak. Mm. I could maybe do that. Let me think. Something, uh, you know, uh, I'm a really good lawnmower. I'm really good at mowing the lawn. Mm-hmm. There's not many other people in my neighborhood who are quite as good as me at it. Is that weak? That's, that that's I weak? don't know. I don't know how good the other mm. people in your neighborhood are. Like, know. if you got really good lawnmower people in your neighborhood, yeah. then you're, then you're that's on it. That's true. I haven't had a chance to actually mow the lawn here yet. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's got a push mower. It's nothing fancy. Push mower. Yeah, you knew this. Here's my advice. About, Here's my advice. Uh, for you. I will tell you the advice you've given me twice already, and see if it's going to be the same advice. <laughs> let me, let me. Wear gloves. Yes. All right. Well, we've got the hat trick. Just because that advice. I I did it without gloves one time, mm-hmm. and I'll admit that I did it. The reason I was cutting it with the push mower was because my electric lawnmower at the time was not working properly. And so I was pushing through some tall grass rather than, I think ideally with a push mower, you keep on top of your lawn and you don't let it get away from you. And you just, you do little Like wrestling an alligator. Like wrestling an alligator. You don't let it get on top of you. That's right. And so, um, now you throw me right off with your wrestling the alligator. Because I'm picturing Mm -hmm. wrestling an alligator. I'm also pissed. You know how to get that out of your head? Picture uh, wrestling a crocodile. That'll take the alligator right out of your head. Thank you. See, you're not even thinking of the alligator now, are you? Yeah. I think about crocodiles. Yeah, it's difference in the snout. <laughs> and that affects your grip. Mm. And so it was an awful lot of pushing and not a lot of not a lot of fun. No one no one wrestles a crocodile, and that's for good reason. Why? Crocodile wins. Alligator you got a shot. Really? Oh, you know, crocodiles can get big. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, no one wrestles a crocodile. You never heard of that. A crocodile wrestler? Ever? No. Well, not heard, even crocodile dundee. I heard if they lose they'll cry. Oh, it's sad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, blisters on the hands. Yeah, avoid it by You have blisters on your fingers is what you scream <laughs> in a right. Beatlesque way. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I've then, got blisters on me fingers. Then went inside oh. the house when I hope I passed the audition. <laughs> yes, I like to mix up all my Beatles uh, yep. references. And then you just yelled number nine, number nine for the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, that's kind of cool. Mm. And by the way, listen, listen to the Completely Beatles podcast if you get a chance. Yeah, please there, do. There, we're going to start plugging all, oh, of, our start other, plugging. Uh, all <laughs> of our other podcasts. <laughs> you forgot about them until I, until I, we did that ad. Yeah, we just have uh, done an ad up for, uh, I do a comic called Exorcisters for Image. we got a new issue coming out next week, uh, issue number three. And me and Giselle Legacy, and we were putting an ad for Sneaky Dragon in it because Giselle was nice enough to put Sneaky on the cover. Sneak mm-hmm. a sneaky into the cover. It was very nice. Right. And as we know, that's what sneaky does. Sneaky sneaks into pop culture. That's correct. And We've... so sneaky has snuck into this pop culture. Yeah, that's nice. I'm glad that someone else did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I actually uh, talked to Giselle last night via, oh, okay. via Facebook Messenger because I needed to get the uh, the sizes for the the specs. like The, the specifications, yes. Which I don't, 
I'd actually kind of I was pretty close. I just measured a comic book, <laughs> yeah, measured a comic book, it. and then yeah, that was fine. but you don't know how much you know bleed they need mm-hmm, or any mm-hmm. of that business. But even that's kind of no. I see that's that's the bleed. Yes, sir. Here's a weird thing. The bleed was the size of the comic. Oh, like the because she gave me like the print area, like the I guess she gave me like her box size right and the bleed and then, comes from when you get paper cuts when you when you when you're yeah. opening a comic and that's how far your blood can go <laughs> before it ruins the comic that's right should we explain what bleeding do people know what bleeding is do you I think that's what, a common thing why don't you tell okay well bleeding is when you see it like an image on a paper like yeah. on a printed paper and it goes to the edges of the paper okay rather than having a white around it like the, the paper border yeah. yeah border and so i do have a bleed i did mine is you know colored all the way out so I just I just put a bleed on it with the uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping if I send them uh, the I don't know what kind of file they want though. Ask Giselle. I'll ask Giselle, yeah. And ask Branwyn, our editor. Branwyn you know is, both of them. I talked to Branwyn, but Branwyn is the, in the midst of studying her for her finals, so she mm-hmm. just asked if I could bug Giselle about it instead of her. Okay. She's going to look at it on on Saturday. I think she wants to look at it. On the uh, that's fine. We need them by we need them by Monday. So as yeah. long as there's that, then yeah. we're then we're good. She's going to do a little copy editing. And that's fine. That's good. Have a, another eye on it, and then and yeah, I got this stuff from Giselle. And I'll ask Giselle what what uh, what what kind of format I should. And we will have it. her on the show at some point in the future. That'd be nice. And what yeah. was nice about talking to her is you could speak French. Well, is that I was able to con- I can speak French. Yes, I I put the accent on her name and all the things. Um, no, I complimented her on Menage Three, as yes. I like to call it. And you picked up a couple of the, uh, like I was, oh, let's not even say that I, I gave you them. That's fine. That's what I said to her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. She gave them to me. I gave them to you. Hopefully she's not like, Hey, I, were- I said borrowed. Oh, very good. Excellent. I said borrowed or stole. Uh, Fair enough. Your, your I'm just getting rid of a lot of books here just because we need to get rid of a lot. <laughs> anyway, so you sent her, you gave her a compliment. Yeah. I just said uh, how much I enjoyed them. And so she offered to send me more. Hey. So that was really nice. That's nice. Yeah. She's a nice person. She's a very nice person. So that was, that was good. So yes, so I wished Branwen good luck on her exams because she's going through finals right now. Just as my daughters are, I should have thought about that when I mm. contacted her because because the girls are also studying like crazy for school. That's the nice thing about going to college or university is that you finish earlier than you did when you went to high school or elementary yes. school. Lisa has not finished school until the twenty first, which is Friday. Do you think it's because uh, with college you are uh, taking as much classes as you need, and in high school they need to keep the kids off the streets? Yeah, high school is basically glorified babysitting. There's a lot of padding. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of extraneous stuff that goes on at high Yeah, I remember schools. that. That was something I, I clearly thought in high school was like, okay, if we just give me the stuff that I need, mm-hmm. how long is this going to take? Yeah, that would be a lot shorter for sure. But I think the more important part of of elementary and high school is the socialization element of it. Mm-hmm. I do think it's important for kids to be with other kids. I mean, sometimes it can be terrible, obviously, but other times it can be quite wonderful to make friends and, and influence people. And, you know, so, and even when it's terrible, that's also important to learn because life can be awfully terrible at times. And you do need to learn coping strategies when you're young to, to get along, you know. You don't want to wait till you're an adult and have... Life throw all its shittiness on your head, so you might as well you might as well experience it when you're young. This is the same way you experience loneliness, boredom. You know. In theory, I agree with you. In practicality, I disagree strongly. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't make it a perfect world for anyone. It's so. not perfect, but it was so shit that they, it was so fucking broken. Yeah, they should. It was so toxic that that shouldn't have been allowed. Mm. No, 
You shouldn't have an environment where uh, people can get beat up on a regular basis. Like if there was no, any, if there was any kind of. But I think that's they, less common now. I think we went right. through school at a ve- at a very particular. So you're talking about time. present day and not the past. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't think you should get beat up and stuff like that. Everyone's taken their bullying to the cyber. Because yeah, people have taken their bullying to the cyber, and I think in a way that maybe that's preferable because you can avoid it in a way that you couldn't avoid schoolyard bullies. Can you? Can you avoid the cyber? Like, doesn't that just like isn't it so much a part of a kid's life that you know can? Well, that yeah, that too. And I and I feel like yeah, someone at work was talking about this, and they were saying like actors and, and actresses shouldn't expect to be able to have like Instagram accounts and not get ha- harassed and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, what is that? Like, why? Yeah, I wonder if there was. I wonder though we, we can't it, have a normal life. Like, this, well, this is what weird. I always wonder with that kind of thing when people bring that up. You know, you're saying like now it's interesting because you're paralleling school then school now and like how it's different. Mm-hmm. And almost always when I hear about that, it's like I wonder if it is different or if it's just subtly changed. But I think like I think it's like the ways of changing when you're talking about mm-hmm. actors, like uh, they would just get mail. And I'm sure a percentage of that was hate mail. Yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. I hate you, or threats, mm. or what have you. And but then you know, whoever the people who sorted their mail, I was going to say and yes. toss, <laughs> and this in this yeah. way they can see them. But I'm mm-hmm. sure there were weirdos and and hateful people and horrible people that would write yeah. awful things. And, yeah, you know, send a dead mouse. Some I know, such. but it feels like if when you see stuff like that, like oh, you know, actresses can't expect to have a. To me, it just feels like someone saying, well, women just can't expect to walk down the street at night. They just have to accept that the reality, that mm-hmm. they can't be safe, and just accept it. But the answer to that is, why? That's not That's not how life... I mean, that's true in yeah, a way. Yeah, that's, there's that's, a little difference there, because that's safety versus... It's that safety. But both of them are. Both of them can be. Let's just say harassment. Let's not talk about just someone yelling at you, okay. catcalling you from a, from a building or something like that. You know, those sort of things that... I've actually never seen someone do that but i imagine okay. that happens well let's go with let's go with them with your theory of what you're what, lay this all out then sure so you're saying that a person should not have to uh deal with threats while they're going out like a woman should not have to go walk down the street yeah. and have threats people yelling and i'm saying okay people yelling and possibly yeah. that escalating to something much yeah, worse sure. you know le- and legitimate threats mm-hmm. so to me that feels like me in high school yes and you're saying but that's good because you get to learn how the world works and it's fine <laughs> like no I, I lived in a pretty constant uh situation of of, of threats where there was at least a couple people uh, in the school that if I ran into them, they would try, to, they would either like say something very cruel yeah. or they would uh, threaten to attack me or mm. they would occasionally attack me. And so this is my problem. It's like when you're saying that, hey, you know, no, that's good. You know, uh, you, you get used to it and now you know how the world works. And it's like, no, the world, that's, that's not how the world should yeah, that's work. Not, that's not that's what I'm, the system yeah. is broken. Yeah. So yeah. That's See, not to what me, I'm the talking socializ- about. Yeah. To me, the socialization sure. aspect of, of high school uh, went the opposite route. Like, I, I did socialize, but I socialized in every other environment, really, but high school, with the exception of possibly, like, uh, uh, like an English class mm-hmm. or a drama class. Yeah. You know, but then I'd go, and I'd go into a workplace environment, and I'd socialize with people my own age, sure. or I'd go into plays. But the most toxic, shittiest place that would drive me into my shell mm. uh, and make me not social was school. So that's the weird thing for me when you're saying yeah. that. Because it feels like, yeah. no, completely the opposite mm-hmm. uh, situation. Well, yes. But I'm not talking about like an extreme situation like that. Because I'm not saying that life should prepare you for people attacking you when you're walking down the street or yelling at you. That's not what I mean. I mean things like like disappointments. 
Mm-hmm. Like let's to say I mean like like sort of anodyne like like being chosen last for the school teams when someone you know when you're going to play games with your friends okay and you get chosen last okay that's a very sad feeling because that you're rejected you get you know how people feel about you right you have to, that's life though like no one you, you can't expect someone to come in and say hey pick him first next time okay because you know but how many times should that happen before that you realize the system's fucked like you shouldn't be well, picked last every time otherwise that's but, that's just spirit breaking right like you would adjust- what you sure. do is you either go like well i don't care about that and i cut it off you and will. you cut it off yeah. and that's what i did or you could no no that's what i did yeah i went like okay so the situation and things are so broken here mm-hmm. that i'm gonna go somewhere but it's not but it's I'm not broken go, like, it is broken but i mean how do you the mean it's broken? they're not picking if the, the if kids the re- are, i'm no, not talking no, about i'm reason- not talking about school you I'm talking like, about I'm talking about playing with kids. Uh-huh. Doesn't mean it have to be at school. It can be anywhere in your life. Okay. Well, you're your original thing you were saying was sure, sure. school was I, good because I, I know, but you I'm just talking about playing in the playground. So there's not it's unsupervised. Well, play. this seems to be the opposite then, because that feels like that's summer vacation, which is a very different situation, or it's after school, or no, or, or during school, or or lunchtime, or recess, or whatever. Okay, it's time when you're not at school. Yeah, yeah, proper. Not, well, but those. Those are part of socializing. I mean, that's part of. Yeah, I'm not talking about socializing with teachers because no, teachers no, no, are no, going to no. te- teachers are skewing the skewing what's happening. Right, like having adults there isn't the kids are going to be different, mm-hmm. and and adults are going to choose the teams and stuff like that. No, I'm fine. With, I was fine with like free range kids. That was mm, fine. Yeah. Like if I just met some kids in a park, it would be fine. Yeah, and everything would be uh, top top drawer. We all just you know do the thing and we yeah. do the thing. It'd be great. But the structures of school intensified everything so much mm-hmm. that that it would it required for safety kids to like form these cliques or whatever like or and also out of boredom they're just bored sure that's right? a big part so of you're it. boring kids you know for a long part of the day yeah so that when they have a little bit of freedom they want to cause some trouble they want to like get a reaction they want to feel something mm-hmm. and that can be attacking somebody it could be sure. having something joyful it could be something hateful mm-hmm. and but but you're boring a kid to death for like yeah. a long period of time and there you go whereas you know during a summer vacation or after school or whatever when you're in a park and you're meeting people and you're socializing then they're not in that environment they're just like oh i'm here to have a good time hey do you want to have a good time let's have a good time yeah they're not bored they're not in that negative space to start mm-hmm. with yeah it's not obviously it's not perfect i'm not saying that uh, and i i don't want to make it seem like i think that bull- people should learn to accept bullying yeah and you're more life. familiar with the, what school is like now because you've got kids who have grown up in it in the well, last while i'll say like mary went through a very t- tough time at school like it was interesting because almost every teacher that I've ever talked to about Mary's grade has said that was the weirdest grade we've ever had come through school. Like this, the kids never got along. What grade was this? Like what? like her 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 years of school. Like the whole time she went through oh, school, really? her grade of kids were just always huh. they were just dysfunctional. There was right. there was so much cliques and different different, you know, all this kind of you know antisocial behavior and stuff like that. Do you have a theory? I. Uh, I don't. I mean, my theory would be there was some bad apples amongst the kids that, mm. and there was enough of them that there was there wasn't a counterbalance to it, you right? Because you can have a workplace environment where there's bullying, but if you have a counter to that, you can, you know what I mean? You can have you can kind of break that cycle in a way. But if you don't have enough people on the other side of the, you know, if you don't have people there who are kind of are I don't know what you would want to call them social 
l- lubricators, you know, like this yeah, people who can kind of yeah. keep, you know, keep things on a even keel, kind of pacify stuff, keep, you know, they're, yeah. they calm it the down. The KY a bit. for the K12, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, just to keep it calm, you know, and can kind of, and if you don't have enough of those people, if you don't have enough people who accept everyone and can kind of act as like this sort of nexus mm-hmm. of, of connection between everyone, then you end up with a very dysfunctional, atomized situation where no one, the boys, are fighting the other boys and the girls are fighting. It was girls against girls. It was boys against boys. And that kind of led to an interesting thing where they, when they got to grade six, they actually had an all-boy class. and On purpose? Yep. Wow. They had an all-boy class with a male teacher. Wow. They, went, they did school for two hours and they went outside and played for an hour. Was this to solve a problem? It was to try to find a way to, yeah, get the boys to calm it down. <laughs> and the way to do that was to let them play outside you know, so they broke up the the academic part with with playtime, right? Longer playtime than they would have had in a regular school situation. I'm just going to quickly tangent and say probably one of the you know in in elementary school, grade five was probably one of my best years, and yeah. I remember like every recess was, uh, and it was in a Catholic school. It was very very intense. Yeah. Um, and uh, the uh, the, what we would do, we would go out to the playground area. Yeah. There'd be like kind of a wooded area, semi wooded, sure, not sure. too much. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'd beat the hell out of each other. We would just fight. <laughs> Like we would just, really? we would just fight, and it wouldn't be punches. Punching yeah. wasn't allowed. Okay, but it was like grabbing and flipping and wow. slamming and just tossing and throwing another person into a tree and just beating the holy hell out of each other for all of recess. Yeah, and then and then go back into back into class, and that's and 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 that's what it, that's what it was. I remember once a kid came at me. I grabbed his arm and just moved it a little bit, and I watched him flip like a Ferris wheel and just went like just the leg. <laughs> just went up and over and it was wow. so impressive it yeah. stopped everybody and they all just like stared and was just like is he okay and it's like yeah he's fine oh and then ring and we went back in but it was like wow well, that's that's good for you to do that mm. it's good for you to do that i mean i don't think all the violence is good but it's good for for kids to play and fall down and stuff like that because mm-hmm. it helps you once again that helps you in, in, no it's good to learn how to fall down yes, it is I really agree. good to learn to fall yeah. yes yeah it's very it's you a, will you why do we fall master master is <laughs> because you will fall like i remember riding with lisa when i first started riding with lisa and i came off a lot because i felt too i, I felt i felt like i was slowing her down you know and she could because she could ride a lot better than me yeah. and i was a beginner so i would pretend i was much more comfortable than i actually was you know and so i'd be like yeah we can go faster and so we'd be like cantering along through the through the path but the problem was is because my seat was so bad if anything happened i would just come off and I fell all the time. But because I spent my entire childhood falling down, yeah. I never injured myself. I just would fall and just get it back up again and dust myself off and carry on. Luckily that time all the paths were um like bark mulch or you know, yeah. like so they're Still, soft. It's a fall. It's a fall, but it's yeah. Well, now they're all gravel. I would <laughs> hate to think about falling now. Sorry to go back a second, but like oh, yeah, uh, let's do, let's do this uh, little bit that I just wrote. Uh, so this is a scene <laughs> from Batman Begins. Okay, and uh, you're Alfred. So right. try and Michael Caine it, and uh, say uh, why do we fall, Master Bruce? And I'll be uh, Bruce Wayne. So I'm Ma- Michael Caine. You're Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Right. Why, why do we fall oh, down? Uh, t- you fall t- you tell, down. You tell me when you're ready to do it proper. What you do take we as many prop- <laughs> You take as many tries <laughs> as you that, need. Wasn't that good? No. Oh, okay. Okay, now. What, what do you mean? Why wasn't it good? No, it's fine. It was lovely. Okay, go. 
I just see, have to say, see, I learned bullying from school. <laughs> very, good. I'm very cruel that's now, good. and I learned pleading see, from this school. This is good for you. See that? This no, is it's how, fine. This is healthy. You saw my. You saw my. Now my, let's wrestle. You saw, <laughs> you saw my elementary school reaction. I was, which is pleading. Very good. Okay, this is my, right, so way, my way of avoiding things. So this is a cut scene from uh, Batman Begins, Christopher Nolan's... So, film. sorry, what am I saying? Why do we fall down? Uh, why do we fall down, Master Bruce? I'm not giving you a line reading. Sorry, go ahead. Why do we fall down, Master Bruce? Uh, why do we fall down, Master Bruce? Because you wax the fucking floors, Alfred. <laughs> what? This is... There you go. That's why. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. Thanks. You're too uh, waxy. Thanks that's, that's why I'm... Whoa! You're falling down. Well, I, I thank you for the pages. I wish you'd send them to me earlier. So okay, that's, that's, it a bit more. that's absolutely fine. Okay, so it was all boys, rambunctious <laughs> yeah. uh, energy. But I thought it was an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long they kept doing it at the school. That sounds like it was the very, worst thing in the world. It was me. very successful. Uh, that's actually. where I started to dis- But it wasn't for every... But the problem was that that yeah. school, because it had... I had a French immersion. Okay. And so all the brainy boys went into French immersion. Right. And so you're left with the kids that were less academically inclined. Who couldn't handle an accent aigu and an they, accent grave. No, they just didn't know. No. Which way does it slope, they kept saying. I don't yeah. understand the slant. What's masculine, this. what's feminine? Look, we're going to make knows. it all masculine and just take it out. So, <laughs> you know, the whole room is masculine. <laughs> it's masculine. all fine. It's, so, it's yeah. no problem. So Only masculine objects in French were in the room. Yeah. Nothing that would be feminine. So I know it seems weird, but all the girls were in French immersion. Sure. And all the brainy boys were in French immersion. Right. And so you were left with the kids who weren't so brainy or weren't interested in go- like that, that, that sort of academic thing. And so this that's why they put... So basically they had... No choice but to have an all male. Yeah, I remember class. like uh, it used to be. You know, we we because it was Catholic school, and of course they would they would divide the boys and the girls up for like everything that wasn't class. Okay. So like we always have to get in these big lineups before you know to to get anywhere. Yeah. And yeah. then did you have to hold hands? Uh, no, we did not have to okay. hold hands. Uh, and uh, and and so we'd ha- we'd have the lineup, and then some dingus in my line <laughs> would do something stupid. Yeah. And then we're like, all right. All the boys have to. And it's like, whatever the punishment was, right? Yeah. Okay, now, first of all, because this happens all the time, yes. this isn't working. This isn't the army where you go like, oh, looks like Henderson doesn't want to make his bed. I guess we're all doing push-ups except for Henderson. And like, yeah, there you go. That's how you do it. Now we're, Henderson's going to be good making his bed. But Henderson didn't make his bed every fucking day. So they, there'd be like one doofus because it was so many so many yeah. bonehead boys. And all the girls are like so good and like mm-hmm. they go in. In and get to read or whatever they do and like we're out there doing the uh, shoveling snow whatever the shit we have to fucking do because yeah. you know one idiot that, and I had nothing to do with this is like and it just went <laughs> it just started me hating boys it's just like ugh, why am I with these cheese heads yeah yeah, yeah. oh I know well, I, but go, I was one of those boys let's so. go fight let's all just go fight <laughs> yeah I, my my what I was saying wasn't I wasn't trying to to um, excuse bullying and stuff like that. It was more just, just the sad parts of life, not and not the not tragically sad parts of life. Just the the mundane sad parts of life. You know, rejection and just things like that that are going to happen to you in your life. You're gonna fe- you're gonna yeah. face rejection. You're gonna face loneliness. You're gonna have fights with people. You're going to you're gonna lose friends sometimes. Things you know bad things will happen to you in your life. And if it all gets piled on you in your twenties, you know. That's going to be really hard. Yeah, I don't see how you'd avoid that. Like, unless of course you're completely homeschooled and don't don't run into anybody. Yeah, uh, I don't see how you avoid those things 
anyway. But no. it's really like how yeah. then learning how to how to deal with them. And I think the problem with school for me was you did not get the skills for how to deal with these emotions and feelings or whatever. Yeah. Quite often, like if I did get a, you know, God bless him, a hippy dippy fucking teacher, you know, they'd be like, why don't you write in your journal? All right, write in your journal. Here's the feelings and how I feel. All right. And like whatever, whatever it was would never help me. Like mm. they'd, they'd never, they'd offer help. They'd say yeah. like, you know, just talk to me about it. We'll, we'll rap about it or whatever the hell it was. And, you know, and uh, then nothing would happen. Yeah. And so I, I, what the lesson that I learned really clearly from, from there was like, Oh, I'm on my own, which yeah. is not a bad lesson. That's a to good learn. lesson. There you go. It's not There's a bad lesson, lesson to learn. Yeah. Authority figures will tell you they're on your side, <laughs> yeah, but, but they're busy and they've got shit to yeah. do. So it's like, I'm on my own. If yeah. I'm going to solve any of these problems, I've got to do it myself, which is something I've carried on for, for mm -hmm. most of my life. You know, and, and quite often I see people who are, who are miserable, who are just like, yeah, I tried to get this thing from this person and nothing happened. It's just not fair. I'm like, yeah. So go to another person or do something else. This is on you. Yeah. You pick the freaking path. But it's like someone who's like in a corporate situation or similar situation where it's just like someone above them has to give them the green light to move forward or do something or get permission. Yeah. They have to get like permission from like the same type of person all the time. It's like, okay, then leave that or find a different angle on that or whatever. But it's, it's so much is on you mm. to do it. Yeah. Yeah, because they got their own shit. It's like, why do they care about me? Because they're them. Yeah. And they've got a person that they're going, why doesn't that person care about me? And that's how that fucking works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I learned to uh, distrust uh, hippies, especially there. Oh, yes. I didn't mind the, I didn't mind the grouchy, tough, uh, jockey type people, teachers, because yeah. like, well, they don't care about me. And I get, we understand each other. And if I happen yeah. to throw a ball in a hoop, they'll be blown away and very happy. <laughs> and if they, and if I don't, yeah. they're not disappointed. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, the other ones are just writing checks there. They can't cash like all the time. Yeah. The teacher I always liked was the teacher whose uh, compliment you really had to earn. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't just freely given. You really, when you got that compliment, you're like, yes, I earned that. I earned it. You know, teachers who just gave them out like they were bits of paper I could care less about, you know. You're really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You say I, that to everyone, so who cares? No, you're right. There <laughs> are the teachers that you really wanted to, to get the approval from. And I like the teacher who was rigidly fair or rigidly unfair. I don't care which way you are. Mm -hmm. But I just want to know that you're always unfair or you're always fair. I don't care. I can deal with unfairness. But if you're fair here and then you're unfair here... Or you change it for some people and not for others. Yeah, that's I don't like. That. I think that I want a, it to just I be. I think that is a very important thing for kids is consistency. Yeah, even consistency. I mean, again, sorry to keep going to my childhood. That was the thing. Like at home, was things were so random mm -hmm. emotionally. Yeah, and you never knew what you were walking into. And I think that always has put me off on a on a bad foot. And again, it's stuff I carry to this day. But like, if you had a consistently pissed off dad, well, then you'd be fine. Yeah. You know, but if dad's yeah. all of a sudden in a good mood, I'm like, oh, mm. this throws everything off. <laughs> now we're all having a happy trip to Disneyland. <laughs> and now we're back home. Ah, oh, it's all gone south again. <laughs> Shit. I just can't. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Just let it rain all the time and I'll know to bring an umbrella. That's it. Exactly right. You know, yeah. just let exactly me right. let me know what's going on. And that's my problem with hippie teachers or, or what I think of as like sort of hippie. I always call them hippie fascists because, you know, they'll, they'll smile and be, re you know, and have this, you know, this you know, smile that wouldn't melt butter or would melt butter, whatever it means. You know, they have this buttery smile. And then, but one day... <laughs> they're real butter faces. It turns into like this steely grin and you know that they're like mad at you. Mm -hmm. But they can't say anything now because they pretend that they, 
They're your friends, and now you've done something. You've crossed them in some way. You don't know what you did. Yeah, the most. Just a kid. I remember having a debate with the most <laughs> popular teacher, and uh, while while in the middle of this debate, which I thought was going all right, uh, a kid behind me was kicking me in the back, like square in the back, like just over and over again. Can you see that? What's that? Could he see that was happening? Okay, there's one of two things that were happening there. Either one, he could see it and he ignored it. Mm. Or two, he couldn't see it. And fuck him for not being able to see a kid kicking another kid in the back to be yeah. so self-involved yeah. that you don't notice someone. Like, I've taught I've, I've, I've taught kids. I've been in front of classrooms. Mm-hmm. If someone's getting booted in the back and I'm talking to them, yeah. I will see that. Yeah. You will see a kid's reaction to yeah. that. Yeah. You know, of course, I can't say anything because it's fucking prison rules. And you can't go, oh, this guy's hitting me in the back. It's like, you can't. <laughs> say nothing yeah. so you got so you got to eat it mm-hmm. and i'm ha- and and i remember like having a quite long debate while being booted in the fucking back huh. you know by this by this guy you know it helped and, you on the debaters when part there, of the debaters is getting kicked go. in the back by someone yeah and i and i was i i think i lost like my respect completely for that guy at that point which mm. is like well then you're shit i think i know who you're talking about i got i lost my respect when he carried around a golf club and smashed on people's desks yeah i just couldn't understand why you need to do that and then go play your guitar in the lunchtime, entertain the kids. I think that there was a... What's going on here? I think there was a vibe at that time. If you look at movies like, I'm going to go with like MASH, okay? Where you had the left-wing bully. Yeah. So you had like, even like the TV show, mm-hmm. you know, MASH. You had uh, you had Hawkeye. Yeah. And he would, uh, he would like do really cruel things to like Frank Burns or to, you know, uh, to, to, you know, hot lips or what have you really mean shit. Or even in the, in the, in the movie, you know, just pulling down the, the tent yeah. while she's showering, yeah. Yeah. you know, and all, all this kind of stuff, all this stuff. But he's still the left, the lefty. He's yeah. the lefty good guy. And it's like, and he's always drunk and he's always mean to people and he's cruel to everybody, but he's the good guy. Yeah. Because he's the hero. He's mm-hmm. the protagonist. And I think there was people like this. Well, that's me. I'm that guy. Okay. You know, but I'm still the good guy mm. because the world's awful. And so it's okay. You can be you can be bad as long as the world's worse. That's as right. long as there's someone worse, it's okay to be cruel. Just grinning through it. Yeah. It's Cracking a, jokes. Yeah. It's weird watching like the TV show MASH sometimes and just going, hmm. You're not you're not the good guy at all in this, yeah. you know. It's just like you know, you really or a small thing would be like, well, you got to then show Frank Burns doing something mean, mm-hmm. you know. And in the movie, Frank Burns did do something mean. He, yeah. he said he accused someone else of killing somebody because of a mistake. Yeah, and and Hawkeye punches him in the face like fair 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 <laughs> fair doings. Yeah, but like you never see what frank's freaking problem he's just awkward yeah and you're bullying to death yeah. later yeah. on they they ditch that when winchester shows up mm. and i guess they go like and eh, that's not cool anymore but it's like what the hell and spear chucker jones what's he doing there <laughs> <laughs> how are you yeah the left-wing guys <laughs> like okay fair enough well that was his wasn't that his college nickname or something like that well jesus christ i mean trapper john is a rape joke you know? Is it? Yes, he trapped a he trapped a woman in a in a in a uh, whatever Samaria in a train, and he trapped her and had sex with her, and she didn't want to have sex, and so they, that was his nickname was Trapper. Wow. Yeah, it's it's, it's a, a different rape, time. It's a rape Oof. joke. Ouch. Yeah. 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 Mash. What? Does it hold up? You tell me. Oh man, part of it holds up, but yeah, there are some awkward scenes in there where you're just like, mm. but that was the vibe back then. Too cruel. The left wing bully, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Like you, you had a Richard Dreyfus, yeah. who's you know the aggressive 
left-wing uh, yeah. counterculture jerk. They tell you, yeah. tell you what you're, why you're wrong. Yeah, in a goodbye girl or, a, yeah. or you know, or Jaws, you know. Yeah, and I think I think they related to that to, to that biz, that kind of business. Yeah, it's strange. I'm just thinking about Mash because yeah, Mash is a weird movie because it's it's like. <laughs> Especially it's, when it gets to the football that's game. That's the thing. It turns into like a football game at the end of the movie. You're like, what happened? What, <laughs> what happened one, one for movie? the Gipper? Yeah. yeah. It's just, uh, I do like when they come back from their trip to Japan and it's not Trapper John, but the other, the Tom Skerritt character, whose name I can't remember. Right, right. Uh, is now in a relationship with, with uh, Hot Lips and he's trying to hide it at first and because and, he's embarrassed, you know, that he's, that he's, fallen, you know, he's fallen for her. That is a yeah. That is a cruel, cruel film. I don't think, I yeah. I don't think you can. I don't think you can excuse that movie in any way at all. I mean, if you enjoy it, which I do, you just have to accept the fact that it is. Well, here's how it here, is. A here's movie, how it goes. It is a movie by, made by fucking assholes. You watch. You wa- okay. You watch the Mash TV show and go. Yeah. That seems a little bit cruel. Oh, brother! You should <laughs> see the movie. And then you watch the movie and just go, "Whoa, this is out of line." They go, "Whoa, brother! You should read the books." Then you read the books and like, "Oh boy!" And I'm like, you don't know. I don't, never have. I never had the urge to read the books. I They're always... like a lower class Doctor in the House series mm-hmm. of books. I did. I did used to read the Doctor in the House books. I heard that the writer of them was like a. a kind of really conservative guy and yeah and that I just, makes sense and i was just and like more of a 50s person too not a 60s person like you know they took these 50s books and tried to like bend 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 them shape them into like a 60s thing mm-hmm. but i think that the source itself is kind of twisted so it's hard to like no matter what you do you know you have to have this mm-hmm. element i mean the thing about like frank burns in the movie which yeah he's a jerk and you know a bit of a robert duvall plays him in robert the movie. duvall plays in the movie is that is that um is they drive him insane he's taken away in a straitjacket it's not he doesn't just leave in in anger or you know he actually loses his mind and he's taken he's taken away he, he gets what Klinger wanted he gets a section eight mm-hmm. you know like whether he's really insane and just or he's just being uh you know uh, kept uh, kept literally under wraps until they can get him off base into some other place where he won't try and attack people but it, is, it feels well, weird. Let's get like, into that care for a second. It's like it feels like unearned. Yeah, they also punishment. Do, they also do a weird thing with him where, and again, they fixed a bunch of this stuff when they later had uh, Winchester, which is he was a jerk. I'm like, okay, okay. given that, that's yeah. a that's a that's a good sure. beat to play. But also, he's a bad surgeon. He's not a great. Well, I wouldn't say he's a. I don't think they. I they mean, were, they talk they about were, him as being bad, but they, I think yeah. they mean like. He's not as skilled as he's as right, but the, the others are freaking geniuses, right? They, well, of course, they're the, they're the heroes. Surgeons. So, but like that's the weird. One thing. of them is telling the story. There you go. But like, if he's a really bad surgeon, yeah, well, stop him from being a surgeon. There's other people. Draft another person. It's like there, it's not like there's a shortage of people to to draft mm. as. Just you got well as soon as he's gone, yeah. they bring Winchester in, and Winchester's great. You should have done that <laughs> a long fucking time ago. I guess you know, give this guy. I a have transfer. a feeling that there were a lot of deferrals of people who didn't want to be doctors yeah. in there. Now, to be fair, <laughs> I got flat feet. I to got to be fair. It was only a three-year war, mm. and we we, we got to compress the time. <laughs> so probably Frank Burns was there for a week. <laughs> if we count the amount of Christmases, Here, I, this they is, were so crazy. They yeah. thought Christmas happened a lot more often than it did. That's how crazy everyone had gone. Yeah, they didn't know. I think the best summary of the movie is within itself, which is that for the longest time you just sang along, do 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 do, and then Wendy found out it's suicide is painless. Whoa, what? Yeah, <laughs> you find out the lyrics of that song, you're yeah. you're a little surprised. 
That character is a rape joke. Everything <laughs> is unpleasing. See, I didn't know that. I didn't. Here's read the book some shit though, so. on Radar. They Radar was actually a, a disturbing character too at the beginning, and I'm not really sure why, but he was. Mm. There was some bad stuff about Radar as well at the beginning. In the TV show or the movie? TV show. Well, both actually, but okay. yes, the TV show. I haven't well. seen. He was a real con guy, but earlier. not a good guy con okay. guy. Oh, really? Like a weaselly con so guy. So he's like he's scamming like he's getting the. He was scamming a lot of people. Yeah, he's getting I, like the McLean to sign stuff and he's sure, like sure. yeah he's, he's doing that but then they later on make it that like well someone's got to get him to do stuff because this guy's a boob mm. and shouldn't be doing anything anyway mm. you know they're doing they're doing that angle but like he was a bit more of a creep yeah. off the top and then they went no he's just an angelic sweet uh, man boy <laughs> sleeps with a teddy bear uh-huh. yeah hmm. yeah the movie it doesn't really, it's not really a huge part of the film i mean he has a uh, role, but it's yeah. not huge because Bud Court has a similar character in the film, so right. those elements are kind of divided between them. And I'm such a Bud Court fan that I can forgive Mash a lot of things. I mean, like you know, if anyone told me it's a gross movie and they don't like it because it's cruel, I'd be like, yeah, that's true. And yet I still like it. So yeah, I still like it because you know what? That's, you like a good football game. I like it out of nowhere. Do you feel it's like Stripes in that if you got rid of that last bit, it's a stronger film? Like, I don't think it's as bad as Stripes. I don't. I mean, it. It, but it does feel like we have no ending. So let's throw in like yeah. one for the Gipper because it really. I do. I do like elements. I like. I like. I like Hot Lips having no clue what's going on, and she's just like cheering wildly and you're cheering the other team. You know. Oh. Uh, what I would say is you do you do mash up to the point where it's the football game. Mm-hmm. Then here's what you do. Then you edit in the Marx Brothers football game. <laughs> What's that from? Horse Feathers? Yeah. Horse Feathers. feathers. And then see if but, anyone notices the difference. Like, yeah. admittedly, it's black and white. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll notice that subtle. We'll colorize it. Yeah. But I think then you're fine. I feel like, yeah. I, yeah, unlike in Horse Feathers where the football game comes out of somewhere, it, it is mentioned throughout the movie that football is, is a thing. They're trying to get football players sure. for the team. Football's a thing. So there's sort of like, you know, there's no real like super straight plot line, like through line for the film. Mm-hmm. But when the football game happens, you're not surprised. You don't go, oh, a football game, where did that come from? But Mash, you are totally. I, I think this is, where a, this? this is kind of a theme that like went all the way into the 80s. And I think it got a little bit less in the 90s, which is the lead who is the bully. But yeah. he's, because things are worse around him, it's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. even like a, like a Bill Murray type, like in a Ghostbusters, yeah. it's like Bill Murray in Ghostbusters is clearly a villain. He's a con man. He's doing horrible things. He's awful. Yeah. But then he, you know, he, he, you know, people need help. He's overcharging them. He's a jerk to everybody. But then makes a nice thing at the end. And sure. also, he's funny. And so we're and so we're yeah. fine. And redeems himself at the end. Falls in love and then redeems himself. Yeah, I guess it's a '60s phenomenon that carried on through the '70s, which is the, the antihero, and that became a popular figure in in. in fiction and film and stuff like that the idea of this character who is not perfect but we relate to him because he's the only one you know he's, he's less imperfect than everyone else yeah this him. is the thing like this time of year is the time where all of the uh the articles about love actually come out and people go oh it's the worst <laughs> so everyone's a, everyone's an asshole and okay. it's like yes why are articles coming about love didn't that movie come because out like 10 pop- years ago because it's a popular movie that that, that okay. shows this time of year mm. and it's considered a christmas classic and people are are po- pointing out that you know everything in here is a toxic relationship and awful and it's like yes that's right it's a it's a movie about awful people for the most part. Yeah, uh, uh, who are you know uh, doing awful things, but it's also funny because sometimes it's funny to watch awful people do things, and it's okay, you know. And you shouldn't be these people. Don't mm. be these people. 
but then you shouldn't also be action action heroes either because if you <laughs> shot your way out of all your problems you know if you john yeah. mcclaned it yeah. you'd be that'd be problematic as well but like it's okay to have you know a, a, a film full of jerks that's okay yeah. just don't don't well, don't base your life on it a good example of that would be the good the bad and the ugly like when you watch that movie you're you're like so clint eastwood's character is he the good one because He's not that good. Like, yeah, comparably. He, strand, he strands the Eli Wallach character in the desert after they have some disagreement over money. It just leaves him. Mm-hmm. That's it. So long. Like, that's good. The guy barely makes it back to town. You know, like, like there's not, there's no, like, you know. But it's, I think it was just at the time, for whatever reason, that, that resonated in the culture, the idea of this, char- this character who was a jerk. And yet, what a jerk. Yeah. You get to, you get to do a lot when your character is a jerk. You know, yeah, it's a lot more fun. Yeah, like I mean, just in writing like Futurama comics or something, you know, writing Bender is fun. Mm. You know, because yeah. he'll move the plot along. He's, a, he's, he's got amoral. Selfish, yeah, he's yeah. amoral and he's yeah. got selfish motivations. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, most of the characters in it are, you know, with the exception of maybe Fry and Layla, uh, Leela sometimes. Uh, yeah, they're they're amoral and 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 Fry's more neutral uh, than anything. He'll go along with uh, yeah, something yeah. of its fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you just that really pushes your plot along when you have someone who uh, just wants something and wants to go get it mm-hmm. and doesn't care how. And here we go. And then you just got to put someone against them that's worse. Yeah. And then you're, uh, then you're all right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if you just sit and think, you could probably think of so, so many characters from that time period that, you know, Dirty Harry would be another example of a anti hero, mm-hmm. someone who isn't really admirable, but is the hero of the film. Yeah. You know, his ways of, of solving. The problems that he's he's in aren't you know ones that you would want someone you wouldn't want to experience yourself. But uh. yeah, I haven't watched uh, a lot of Riverdale. I watched a, I watched a chunk of the first season, mm. but everyone's everyone's a jerk on it. Is everyone's right? evil. I've not. Uh, and uh, and definitely in Sabrina, everyone's everyone's evil in Sabrina. Pretty much to me. So yeah. it just moves it moves the plot along. Yeah, yeah. That's the purpose of it. Yeah. I was surprised. I was reading a thing, and they're like, "So, on December seventeenth, there's the Christmas episode of Sabrina coming out." And I was like, <laughs> "Christmas episode? What do they learn? That Pottersville is better than uh, Bedford Falls? Mm-hmm. I guess that's what they're going to find out." We should have gotten to Pottersville. It's much nicer than Bedford Falls. I actually don't mind Pottersville for the most part. I mean, there's some drunk ladies, and you feel sorry for them, and you shouldn't like yell at the rummy. But uh, you know, <laughs> it looks like it's a happening town. <laughs> you know, business well, is booming. It seems not too bad. Business is booming. It's pretty good. Like people are able to like afford to go to all these clubs, so money. I know but they're living somewhere. in slums. Well, how are they? They're afford- not allowed to live. They own their own homes. How are they? Af- oh, well, geez, what's what, that's my life. Uh, but like, what? <laughs> well, uh, this was at a time when it was more. No, more I, I hear. I hear the market you. was more accessible. You, well, okay, I, I'm sorry that people are living in slums and Potter's not a yeah, yeah. But look, here's the thing. You don't feel that sorry for them. Let me just say, I this. can tell right away you're an antihero. But here's the thing. Yep. How old is Potter? <laughs> Potter's 70, right? Uh, well, I don't think so. 65? 60. Possibly. He's, he's not in his 50s. Are we talking about Potter or are we talking about the actor Potter. playing him? No, I don't care. Like, just say Potter. I feel like the, the actor who played him. Yeah. Whose name? What's his name? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. But let's just say the character of Potter. Lionel Barrymore. There you go. He's clearly I feel 60. like he was like the Ed Asner of his day, right. that he was playing 60 when he was in his okay. 30s. So he is a guy who, bless his heart, mm-hmm. is obese. Uh, and he's in a wheelchair. In a wheelchair, yeah. Things aren't going good for him health-wise. Yeah. Is he clocking in another 10 years? Mm-hmm. Or is it, 
you know, lights out, right? <laughs> but what do you think? When he dies at Pottersville, this thesis of being... Well, who does it go to? Well, he's, he's not a family it. guy. He doesn't own it all. I mean, it goes to his corporation or whatever. It okay. continues to exist. Fair enough. There's still going to be rent collected. But, I mean, Potter is the uh, active <laughs> villain, right? <laughs> like, he's not motivated by total money. He's motivated by spite and uh, getting people and, hey, I'll, they, I'll make you crawl. Like, he's that guy, right? Yeah, yeah. So once the evil fucking spider is out of the web, yeah. another more... Then it just becomes more banal evil. No, no, I think, there's, I think more competent spiders come in. Oh, uh, no. They go, no. like, we got we to... Gotta... What an optimist you are. No, no, because you gotta, you, you got to feed the beast. If there's one you thing gotta... we've learned is that corporations get nicer and nicer it's, well look they need someone to go to these clubs mm-hmm. right i mean there's a lot of clubs in this small town <laughs> yeah, right sure so are. like if you're slum slum joe and they can just kick you out they don't care about it Who's they're, they're so busy they'll just throw you right out of the place well they're so busy because maybe out a window okay that's fine that means well some people are able to afford this so the economy's <laughs> not bad if, well, if people, or people are like, da, da, or people are so da, depressed da, 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 that they're like, they're just, da, 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 da. they're just blowing all their savings they're and not, all this garbage. Okay, no, they're not going to. Sure, they're not going to that. Okay, Martinis is uh, like a real dive bar. Mm-hmm. Martinis is the top, but there's like nightclubs with da 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 da, That's not where you go when you're bummed out. Yes, that's it where is. You go and it's a night. It's still another place you can go. Things are good. Pottersville. You could still go to there at a feeling of desperation and and sadness. Just, let's dance away our sadness. What do you think the jazz Sounds age good. was? What do you think the jazz age was? Yeah, things could be worse. <laughs> things could be worse. I, I don't think I don't think Pottersville is a problem. I think Potter's going to be dead soon. Yeah, uh, some shit. So you gonna... think Bailey, George Bailey, is a problem? I don't think Bailey's the. I think uh, Bailey's got some issues. Bailey, Bailey. Yes, he has personal issues, but I don't think his personal issues are affecting the town. You know what? Maybe. Hmm? Because he's giving these people too much of a hand. Yeah. <laughs> They're not pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps. Oh, man. And rising up against Potter. Oh. I think, so, I think, give them a hand, but not that much of a hand. Okay. Because okay. now because honestly, sure. yep. let me just say, if mm-hmm. you, if you've set things up to the point yep. where if you're taken out of the picture, everything goes to shit, yeah. then you fucked up. You shouldn't have a business or a model uh, where, like, if you leave, everything goes to mm-hmm, hell. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got to set things up so that, oh, uh, other people can take over and things yeah. can go. Like, well, that's one thing you don't really get with the, well, maybe you do. Uh, you know, whereas he's inspired other people to do similar things. And, you know, there should be another building alone in town. Like, they should see him and go, like, yeah, that's great. I'm going to form one. I'm going to do the same thing, too. Yeah. Good. Let's, uh, let's really drive that potter out of there. I don't know. <laughs> but it feels like he's the only guy doing good in the town, right? Well. Is there anyone else? Who's doing good? I think lots of people are doing good in the town. I mean, the movie's there's about a lot of people, him. There's a lot of people on the take. A lot of people on the take in the town from How George Bailey. Well, they're all like taken from Bailey. They're all like, <laughs> what are they given? I'm, I know, I'm flipping the narrative here. What, what, sure are, are. What, are they, what are they doing? Like, what are they doing? Martini, he's a nice guy, but like he's just keeping people boozed up in both <laughs> realities, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he's not in the second reality because there's Nick's in the second reality. Oh, fair enough. Who's... Uh, Okay, who's who's a good guy that's like really, you know what? That person's really adding something to the town. There you go. Well, to be fair to me, yeah, we we're it's a movie about George Bailey. True, we're not they're not like giving us a cross section. Pretty of small town though. Can I, can You've seen a lot of people. How small is it? The the school has a fucking pool in it. How small is that town? Mm. That's not that small a town. If a, a pool, if there could, a school can have a pool, which by the way, you, of course, was not. Do you think that means? That that school's doing well, yeah. Or do you think 
schools would have pools in them, but they're so broke, yeah. they've got to double down and actually put like a gym on top of the pool. No. They're so broke no, no. that you built your house on I mean, your you, above ground pool. If you, it would be much more expensive to build a, a school with a pool underneath a gymnasium than it would just to add a pool to it. Well, you know what? Then that was money ill spent. And that's in that reality. I don't think so. That looked like a lot of fun to me. Everyone jumping in the pool in that part of the movie. Yeah, well, the one day that happens. Yeah, yeah, but still, it's fun. Well, you could all go to the pool next door and jump in. You, sure you could. And that would also be fun. Mm. But I was just saying that that jumping into the pool, that was pretty great. Okay, I agree. So you got a pool. And then you could play like a form of dodgeball that also incorporated the pool into it. So you'd only you'd leave the gymnasium like floor half open. Mm-hmm. And then you also, and then the pool. Oh, I like it. Now, does this <laughs> does this place with a pool? Does it still exist? The school? I don't know. I don't know. It was a place in California. Yeah, it was like yeah. an actual school that they went and filmed that for that scene. And I guess they just heard about this place that had a pool. Well, and they just, it still exists because that'd be a great place to have a dance. And then you got to like crack the floor open and just go to town. Yeah, it feels like something that would be if too it's dangerous. That old from the forties. That this feels like the engineering after a while would start to kind of go. Like yeah, your floor would right. start to sag and. You know, it lasts for a while and then forget forget about it. But you know what? You know what I like about that time was it was a time where uh, angels were so active that they would alter reality <laughs> sure. to teach a guy a lesson. There's that movie. There's The Bishop's Wife, which I don't really like very much as a film. But And then there was the uh, remake, which I actually do like with Denzel Washington, right? I've never seen it. Is it called yeah. The Bishop's Wife? Uh, I th- I the politician's wife or something. It's, it's, some, it's something, but yeah, it's uh, Denzel Washington's good because Denzel Washington is always good. He's very good. So he's the angel in that film? He yes. He plays the Cary Grant part? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I just finally, I'm, you know, I just realized a little while ago, I don't really like David Niven that much as an actor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Even though he's in one of my favorite films. Actually, someone asked us that a little while ago. What was that? They asked us a question. Rank your favorite Davids? Rank your favorite Davids. No, it was, uh, what, whatever, what are our favorite Christmas movies? Mm. And I, I have just... not had time to think. <laughs> you know what an underrated one I'm going to throw out there? Uh, sure. Bernard and the Genie with uh, Alan Cummings and I forget his name, but he's married to Don French. Oh, okay. Larry, uh, Lenny Henry. Lenny Henry as a genie. Yeah. Okay. And that's really good? Uh, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. They used to be like a go-to for me for Christmas movies. Huh. And, and one that most people haven't seen. Bernard and the Genie. Bernard, okay. Hmm. I mean, I have... I really, when I was, of course, I, I guess I read this and you didn't read it. So that's, that's, you've had some prep. <laughs> lucky for me. Um, but, but how did this tie into David Niven? Well, because, um, here it is. It's from, it's from Kane and, uh, Kane wrote, he said, since it's coming up on Christmas, mm-hmm. have you guys done a top 10 Christmas movies list before? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do 10. No. Is there even 10? I feel like you've done Christmas songs, maybe, but we haven't. But since you've been on the movie streak, maybe you could, guys could rattle off a list of your own. So I'll, I'll start because I, I thought about it more than you did. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I realized when I was doing it that, uh, that I don't, I'm not a huge Christmas movie fan. There's not a lot of Christmas movies that I like. Um, I'll list the ones that I like a lot. The first one that pops into my head is uh, Remember the Night, the uh, Preston Sturge's written film directed by Mitch, Mitchell Leeson. This stars Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck, and Fred McMurray plays a district attorney who cleverly gets a uh, who is um, he's in court. He's he is uh, prosecuting a, ca- a shoplifting case. Mm-hmm. Barbara Stanwyck is the shoplifter. Oh, and he realizes that if 
he lets the case go ahead, the judge is going to give let her off because it's Christmas time. He doesn't want to have to sit around doing a long case and because you know he wants to go home and get Christmas stuff like that. So what Fred McMurray cleverly does is he gets the case held over. So Stanbrook has to spend mm. Christmas time in jail, and and then he'll prosecute the case after Christmas, and then she'll get charged. Okay. She'll get she'll right. get convicted. And so, but then what happens is he feels bad that he's done this to her. So he tells one of the local kind of uh, bail bonds guys that are hanging around the court. He tells them, uh, tells them, you just this get her, this get her, let let her out on on my like I'll I'll go bail. You just you can let her out for Christmas, you know, and, and then she'll come back. So so he does that, but she assumes that he's bought her and that she has oh. to go back to his place so that so that he can have sex with her. Okay. So she shows up at his apartment. And so he does. She does, and the rest is just a porno. It's that long, long movie. Yeah, Barbara Simon with Fred McMurray fucking for two hours. It's so surprising. While the My Three Sons uh, theme song bah, plays, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> and, uncle, nah, nah, and Uncle Charlie nah, nah. watches. Ah, give her one for me. <laughs> William Demerlos peeks through the window. Yeah, that's what I like seeing. Uh, <laughs> so no, she comes to um, Fred McMurray's apartment, and of course he's shocked. He's thought, well, you're just going to go off and do your thing, and then come back. And she is, but and so there's this kind of weird thing. So then it, then it's decided that there, that because he's going back to his his mum's um, place for Christmas, he says, "Well, you might as well come with me mm-hmm. on the trip, and I'll drop you off at at your mum's place, which is because they discover they're like from the same sort of similar area." And so uh, that's what they decide to do. And it's just a really good film, really a great heartfelt, funny and sad movie. Um, so that's one I like a lot. Okay, the uh, bishop's wife was remade as the preacher's wife. Okay, so that makes more sense. Uh, yeah, I, I like that they still kept the religious element rather than going like the yeah. governor's wife. And or I believe it is still a Christmas movie, so I'm going to throw that on my list. Okay, uh, I'm going to throw. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. We've said already, so I'm going to put that for in sure. There. It's a Wonderful Life will go go into my list. Yeah, uh, Burden than the Genie. Uh, you know what? Muppet Christmas Carol. I was thinking of the Christmas Carols that I've never I like seen the most. It. Well, it's got Michael Caine in it. As Michael well. Caine? Yeah, that's right. Apparently, I can't do an imitation of him. So uh, He was supposed to blow the bloody uh, doors off. Oh, blow Try the bloody... Blow the bloody doors <laughs> off. <laughs> Master right. Bruce. Master Bruce. Let me tell you this. <laughs> You're supposed to blow the this, bloody doors off. This. Now we're doing a scene from another movie. This. We're not okay. going to do that. Okay. Uh, also, you can go with almost any Shane Black movie. All right. Well, I would go with... Um, the uh, Gina Davis, Samuel L. Jackson film, Which uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Very good. I'm gonna is that go what it's with... called? Long Kiss Goodbye or something like that. No, I think no Long Kiss Goodnight. I think you're correct. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, that one. Okay, well, I'm going, I'm going Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That's also very good. I would, uh, I would second that. I'll add that to my list as well then. <laughs> Both of them. Long Kiss Goodnight. Okay. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I like uh, I like that film a lot. A suggestion that the internet made uh, for a Christmas movie, and I went like, "Oh, I thought this was a Thanksgiving movie, but I guess it is a Christmas movie." Is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, mm. which I think is a pretty consistently funny uh, movie with a touching ending that you do not expect it to be that it's touching. True. It has and one probably of my... one of the best performances by John Candy, one of the best performances by Steve Martin. It has one of my all-time favorite scenes, which is uh, the guy yelling at them they're going the wrong way, and he says, "How does he know which way we're going?" <laughs> I just love that part of the movie. <laughs> I also like uh, John Candy turning into the devil. Oh, when they're going in between the trucks. <laughs> that's good. That's good stuff. That's a good scene. Good scene all around. Yeah, that's a pretty good movie. Um, I think I was kind of sour on at the time because I didn't like John Hughes very much because of all the uh, Candles movies that he'd done. Sure. So I was kind of like... What, what is your favorite Christmas Carol movie? 
a remake of a my very my favorite one is the classic Alistair Sim one, Alistair which is actually Sim, called Scrooge. Sim it's not called a Christmas Sim Carol. City. Yeah, Sim City. Yeah, it's not called Christmas Carol. It's called Scrooge. But yeah, that's my favorite one. I think that one, like watching it as a kid, and that's what I'm going to reference it to because of course it wouldn't have the same effect now as an adult. But watching it as a kid, it's a legitimately scary movie. Sure, has really oh, scary yeah, parts yeah, in it. Yeah. But it also was a very funny movie. And it's also a very touching movie. Like, it really kind of comes all around. I love the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love him coming into his uh, his nephew Fred's party and them welcoming him and his embarrassment. And I just think it's just a really well done part. Like, Alistair Sim, who was a comedy actor. Um, but, you know, when you give a comedy actor a, a dramatic role, they can often do it in a really juicy way. Yeah. And he does, a, I think, a spectacular uh, part there already. Really like that. My second favorite Alistair Sim performance is in Laughter, Laughter in Paradise, I believe it's called. Okay. Where uh, a rich person dies, and he his will uh, basically to get your inheritance, you have to do something against your type, against your personality. Oh. And so Alistair Sim, who plays this very proper, upright gentleman, has to steal from Herod's. He has to get arrested for shoplifting from Herod's. <laughs> and when he goes there, he's because he's so respectable, he he can't get arrested because they don't suspect him at all and so he's like you know picking up gloves and waving them across the store and trying to like you know be very obvious that he's stealing them and no one's paying attention it's quite a good oh that sounds good yeah, it's quite good no, like it's a very it's the best scene in that movie but it's i good. would like to see that uh, movie i do I, I really do like the muppet christmas carol like there's mm. again it does have good scare like here's the thing do you want to have scary death at the end or like the final spirit and it's like they got a good final mm. spirit and uh and there's Is it sweetums <laughs> No, they, oh. have a, they have one of those big guys though for for a present, which okay. is like, come and know me yeah. better, man. It's yeah, like yeah. that. They got a good one for that. That's good. And uh, and the uh, rat is always doing. Uh, I think it's the rat who's uh, rat and Gonzo are the narrators. And mm. They keep taking you through things. They keep doing little commentary, and it's 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 really good. And then the very smart thing okay. is they get um, they get Kane to play it straight. Just dead straight. Okay. So he's just doing it, even yeah, though yeah. occasionally there's like a musical number. Yeah. He's still like vroom, like no wry <laughs> yeah, looking really and cool. winking. Mm. It's just like oh, he is acting the holy hell out of it while these crazy muppets are doing stuff around him. Yeah. yeah. But it's just you know you're really kind of scared for Kermit. Like don't piss him off, Cratchit. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and they got Robin as Tiny Tim, which mm. works. Mm. Yeah. Little crutch. But I I. Th- I mean, I haven't seen all of the other Christmas carols, but I feel like the the Elster Sim one is, has become sort of the template that everyone follows sure. of of the kind of classic Christmas carol. And I don't think they go back to the the nineteen thirties American one and go, "This is what we're going to use as our template." I yeah, think they they go, they go like, uh, "What's the Henry Winkler one? Let's get that." Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's many many people doing that. Yeah. Nope. The other movie that I like a lot, I really like old movies. Is uh, uh, Bachelor Mother, which I've talked about before with Ginger Rogers. And David Niven, which is, is why... Is this a Christmas film or are we going off? It is a Christmas movie, okay. yeah. It's a Christmas film. It takes place at Christmas time. She is a, a clerk working in a department store who is uh, given her notice. Mm-hmm. She was just a temporary worker over the Christmas period. And it's, you know, Christmas is almost upon us. And, and so she's given her notice. And she's walking home from work. And she sees this woman leaving a baby on the step of an orphanage. And of course, she calls to her, and this lady darts off. And then she sees the baby is sort of rocking unsteadily at the top of the steps. So she runs up Ooh. to like steady him. And then the door opens, and they assume that it's her baby. And so then she ends up with this baby. <laughs> and uh, there's lots of uh, fun after that. It's a very good film, though. It's very it's good. It's called. It's called Bachelor Mother. 
Very good. And it's a very, uh, lots of fun. And it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, it takes place okay, Christmas. Dave, let's make some money here. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> you and I, yes. right now, Okay. we're going to make our own Christmas movie. Okay. Here's how it's going to go. All right. Okay. So we're going to have, we're going to start off with, uh, it's nowadays, so, you know, we got to like, let's uh, get nice. There's, there's a young woman. She's attractive. Okay. Attractive woman. Okay. She, you'd think like she'd be in a relationship. She's not. Strange. She's caring about her career. Okay. This is the thing. What she is her just, career? She, that's the thing. Oh. What's her career? Now, it's got to be something that's not... We're not going to rate... We're not going to a Hallmark movie here, are we? Well, we can we can take it in whatever direction okay. we want now. Okay. Be, we got to have it be something tactile so that we can have some physical business. Okay. So so it can't just be like she's a stockbroker. Yeah. It can't be anything like that. So what is she making? She makes something. Does she make or does she do something? Because like, ah. could she be a doctor? Well, she could be a doctor, sure. But the problem then is... Okay. You'd expect... Oh, yeah. Okay. No, let's go with this. Oh, I like this. Okay, doctor. She's a doctor. <laughs> Okay. okay, and she's working on Christmas. Because I think because I think if you're like a career person, so she's oh I love it. She spent so much, you know, she's so intense on oh I love and it. And then and then you know the business can be like her patients or whatever. That, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I love this. Okay, okay. so so here's what happens. So okay, okay. so so she's so, like a GP. Love it. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah. someone comes in, and uh, and it could either be oh. you know is it Santa or an elf or what is it? Like it's something. Something. Mm, goes do you want on. it like that? Well, that's the thing. What do you think it's going to be? Because I'm thinking the deal is she doesn't really buy this whole Christmas thing. Yeah, yeah. But then she's actually got to like literally save Christmas. She's got to save the life of Christmas. Oh, is that where you're going? Okay. I was going that, but where are you going? Tell me yours. Well, I was sort of thinking that um, she has a patient come in. Yes. Like a guy, obviously. All right. So you have to have a romance going Sure, here. sure. And He's single. He's single as well. You That's know right. what? Is he a single dad? Mm-hmm. He's a single dad. Okay, he's a single dad. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't thinking that way. He's but... a widower. He's a widower, so it's tough yeah. for him. Oh, that's Christmases great. Christmases are so tough. That's right. Being a widower. Sure. All right. And he wants to do the best thing for his... And it's revealed his... at the end of the film that he murdered his wife. No, that's not Christmasy. <laughs> okay. Um, so he's a, he's a widower, comes in. Oh, okay. What's that's, wrong? What's he, that's what's... complicating it. Okay. What do you do? Because I had this idea that... Let's go with yours. I had this idea that he comes in and like it's Christmas Eve or whatever. Sure. She's, you know, and of course she's so busy. She's ignoring everyone in her life in order to keep, you know, keep working and stuff and like that. And she's keeping people alive. That's that's important, but that's what's that's what she says. But really, she's just avoiding life. And you and you can see sometimes she'll walk by yeah. the children's ward, and some of the children are sad. And she doesn't. You know what? She's just like, I'm just going to give them the care they need, but not the emotional care they need, <laughs> just the medicine they need, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. But like, you listen. Sure. I don't have time for that. I got to yeah. do other stuff. Well, I think like I think of her as like like I like I say like a workaholic who is, you know, she makes a lot of claims about you know how she sacrifice you know like. She's a doctor and right. she's there for people and stuff like that. But sure. really, it's more about avoiding people. It's a, she's keeping, she has this, you know, kind of emotionless, oh. you know, relationship she's with her patients. She's been hurt before. Maybe. Maybe. But do we have any backstory on her? We could do that. Okay. I mean, it could come out in the, during the film. Yeah. They could have a heartfelt talk. I think, I think, th- I think we got to have a thing where like the parents, the only way she could really earn her parents' love was success. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Christmas was always, uh, just really kind of competitive yeah. and, uh, and you know. Oh, see, it would be so good if you could figure out some way to get this guy yeah. and his precocious daughter. Sure. And her. Right. Going to her uptight parents' place. Right. Oh, by the way. And he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a working class guy. Right. But his daughter, here's a little yeah. twist just yeah. for some fun. Yeah. Uh, his daughter loves magic. So she's always trying to do magic tricks. But they're always going wrong and making a big mess okay. everywhere. Okay. But she's just like always trying to get like someone to pick a card mm. and then they explode in the person's face or like <laughs> has a cane and it just like hits someone in the belly and the boing and whatever. But she just says so he's sure, always sure. trying to do yeah, yeah. little magic tricks. Okay. 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 But please continue. So we, we have to think of some way, and I was thinking of some medical way, that she can't leave him alone. 
mm. over the Christmas time. She's got to monitor him. She's got to monitor him. Okay, Christmas monitor. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So and she, gonna... okay, the reason she does it. Yeah. So, okay, here's the thing. She has a, another, there's another doctor who right. wants, who wants to be her boyfriend. Right. He's just on and the make all the time. He, and so he's coming. Ugh, this guy. And so he comes in and he's all like, I've bought us tickets. We're going to go on this trip. It's going to be great and stuff like that. And then she lies. She just out and out lies to him. And she says, I can't. I have to look after this guy right. because he has this. And and she gives him a look of like, come on. Yeah. Help yeah. A, help and a he's, sister out. And he's like. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I sure, sure. Yeah, yeah I've got that disease that you have mm. to monitor. And then his daughter says, "But Dad, you <laughs> whatever." You yeah, and he looks at her and like, mm-hmm. "Wait a second, just." And uh, yeah, and so this kind of puts off this jerk that we've already established as a bit of a jerk, right? Um, we can have them meet in the lobby, or he's a. I, you know what? I don't really think, like think of them as being in a hospital. I prefer it like if it's like a a general practice, like just a a clinic. Sure. And he's like fellow doctor got in the it. clinic. And so, you know, we can see him pull up and he's driving a, you know, this souped up sports car kind of thing. Like he in no way, he in no way is living a life either. You know what I mean? Right. Like they're just two people who they they just can't. Right. You know, his, By ego, the way, the his daughter, ego and her ego just will not mesh. The daughter wants an expensive uh, magic trick that uh, that he can't afford. Okay. Can't afford. By the way. I'm oh, gonna, so this is her way of. I'm going to tease the ending a little bit here. Okay. Where like at some point when they go back to the hospital and the yeah. little girl's there, uh, she's going to have done something. Clinic. What's that? Clinic. Very yeah. good. But there's, there's, so there's no kids there, right? Eh? No, no, I don't. I, don't, I think it, we can just convey that through conversation. We don't need to have. Uh... Okay, because if there was kids, this is what I would go with. That uh, when the kids, when the kids wake up, yeah. there's something like next to their bed that looks like normal, but like when they open up like a card, uh, like flowers come out or something. So mm-hmm. the little girl has like has 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 laid down all these tricks. For for the kids to give them a little uh, uh, Christmas magic in the morning. Really liking this Christmas magic thing. Yeah. Because well, that's nothing to do with Christmas magic. That's just well, this that's is a sleight of hand magic. Here's a, here's Christ a, digitation is it's called. Right. Well, it's okay. It's okay. She, okay. You know, maybe there's a thing to... Okay, here's what I'm going to go with. All right. The the, the the woman is a really good doctor, right? Really Chris, good with her, Really good with her hands. Really good with her hands. Sounds sexy. Now, the little, the little girl yeah. who likes the magic... Oh, okay. A little fumble-fingered because she's a kid. <laughs> yeah. But... She gets a little help when they bond later on, mm. uh, where she goes like, "I'll show you how to do it." And with her delicate touch that can do surgery for crying out loud, she's able to, uh, you know, place cards where they should be, or like or set up tricks in a way that they actually work and they don't just explode in people's faces. Yeah. And so the little girl is inspired by this to learn patience and not rush things, and yeah. like the lessons that she's learned as a doctor actually work for the little girl as a magician. And so they bond over this. Back to the romance. Go. So where do they go for Christmas? Well, so they go to her mom and dad's. Okay. Which is unexpected because she wasn't planning to go there. Right. But now she's got this thing going on. She yes. has to kind of go through with it. Because this doctor, maybe he doesn't believe her. Or maybe he lives in the area too. So he's like, well, maybe I'll drop in and visit you at your parents. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so we can have like a little bit of... So they show up. Or he's, or she's FaceTiming uh, the mom. At one point, and then he goes like, "Oh, I hear that Jennifer's going to be coming to your uh, party." And I was like, "Oh, is that right, Jennifer? Oh, that's so wonderful." Yeah, ma, we're coming there because you can FaceTime sure, nowadays. So sure. she's on her iPad, so yeah, we have a nice yeah. big screen of it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So now she's got to go to mom and dad. she's got to go to mom and dad. So she's bringing this guy. Like I say, he's a bit schlubby. He's not. He's not her status in right. life. You know, he's a car mechanic. And or the something. parents are very competitive people. They're, they're very. Yeah, yeah. they're basically know, they're basically want the best for their daughter. Yeah, they're Maybe win- too they're, much. They're Winchester. And that's uh, right you know yes too much 
Hutch. Okay, yes. And some some other sort of snobby uh, right actress. Yeah, and so they're and they don't want to. Yeah, they're they're having a party, but there's nothing fun about their party. Right. Their party is about showing off their Lilique bowls and their classy. Oh, all uh, things that could be destroyed by magic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You know, so yeah, I think uh, I think yeah. that's a good setup. So there. the guy's a working class guy. What's he do that's the working class? Then? I was thinking car mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's just trying to get. He's just getting by. He, he owns his own place, but it's you know because he's honest. It's not. He's a fix him up guy. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe some things break down, and like, or maybe even the daughter breaks a thing or two, and it's like, well, we're gonna have to because yeah. here's the thing: if something breaks, yeah, uh, they're gonna be like, we're gonna have to call someone in for this. And it's like, <laughs> I can fix it. You don't know what you're doing. This is a little, little, little. Yeah. But like, he's actually able to repair small things, like, oh, that squeak that bothered me all that time, or what is that rattling that's sure. going on around up there? And they're like, oh, this is actually that's bothered me. For a long time, and you've what a, what a nice little gift you're giving us is uh, fixing up uh, the things. I guess, but we're kind of taking it away from them. Oh, oh could I just throw okay, this out there? Sure. This is a small little thing, which is easy. It's like there's been, and again, we've got this in this house, but like there's a there's a rattling in the attic, and we've got to deal with that. Yeah. He goes up there and finds there's a raccoon, and they have to get a raccoon out of the house because that's hilarious—a raccoon running around <laughs> knocking shit over. But okay. in the in the process, yeah. Uh, the raccoon reveals like an old album or something of theirs and like maybe it's a trip they took when they were you know younger or something yeah. or something with the kids but that's a real bonding thing and oh I forgot we that was a that was that time that we really let loose and that was the most fun Christmas we'd ever had you know that was back before we had to worry about you going to school and this and we're the and so they, the, that like wakes mom and dad up a little bit and they're like remember how we used to be that okay meanwhile raccoon goes uh, crazy and just runs out of the house <laughs> Sure. Okay. Sure. I like it. All right. Now back to their relationship. I don't know if we've gone to too too much into Hallmark territory. I think we have to play up the comedy angle more than okay, like the humorous part of okay, it. Okay. Dad you know? gets bit by the raccoon, gets rabies. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> but luckily, his daughter is is a doctor, uh, is a doctor and can uh, treat and, this. And luckily, she doesn't have a rabies of, kit with her. Well, well, no, she gets a, you know, a series of painful injections it's, it's, on Christmas. I don't think it's a series anymore. If you get in early enough, you could avoid the series. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> If you have the drugs, yeah, their relationship that's that's more difficult, I think. I guess you could do it as something that slowly grows that she learns to appreciate him. But there has to be something humanizing about it that takes her out of herself mm-hmm. and lets her man, that's hard to uh, something that mm, I think how about oh, sorry, go ahead. no, you please. I was gonna say, how about she we have a contrast, so she somehow she they they go to like meet some friends of hers, mm-hmm. like a husband or wife or whatever. And she sees herself in these people who are snobs, who are cold and distant and stuff like that. And then here's this guy in comparison who is loving. He loves his daughter. He he loves this. He's falling in love with this doctor, even though she hasn't quite gone to that point yet. Right. And you know what I mean? Like, so you can have that kind of com- contrasting element that kind of reveals herself to herself. Maybe like yep. she has kind of a mirror to herself. And maybe that could be the melting sort of point that starts her down down the path towards I like accepting it. him. I also think like when she sees that her parents are actually people, that also like start, mm-hmm. does a little something with her. She's sure. like, oh, and, uh, and and realizes you know she doesn't have to be perfect for them because they're they're people as well. Well, with with that, I think okay, he's a car mechanic. So how about if there's her dad has this car. It was his father's car. Ah, there we it's go. It's been sitting in the garage forever There you forever go. And ever. That's what we need. Yeah. And so and they, they and they used to have romantic times in the car, maybe or something. There's some memory mm-hmm. that they have of the car. And 
this guy just kind of, without telling them, just starts working on the car and starts yeah. repairing it and stuff like that. He sees there's tools and stuff like that. And the first time he does it, he fucks it up. That's the thing. Do you though. think that's... I think the first time, yeah, because he does a little something that's a little wrong. It's like, I... you wrecked the car, which was the most... Because no, we got to have... I know have we have need a conflict, little... but... Hmm. He's got to screw like, up sometime. I feel like I feel like the or does she? I feel like up? the daughter has to be the conflict. Okay, fair enough. Like because you had this idea where the magic is a disaster or whatever, mm-hmm. and she could maybe put on a magic show and it turns into almost burning down the house or right. something happens where and everything we'll, goes we'll wrong. We'll do a thing where you find out that like there was something in the past where uh, the daughter screwed up and the parents didn't stand up for her. Mm. You know, they they were disappointed in yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Or, or she thought they were disappointed in her, and she, and they, and, and she learns then later, no, we were never disappointed in you. Yeah. It was just, you know, we were upset at the time. But, you know, but, like, she sees like, this guy standing up for his daughter, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, that she, she, she's the most important thing to him. And, like, oh, and uh, that, that awakens some stuff, and so they have a little uh, thing there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, our, what do we call, and what do we call it? Oh man, uh, nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's a wisecracking snowman that comes to life as well. Oh no, not again! All right, but if we, it was a hallmark, who is the comedy relief? Is the daughter the the little girl the comedy? Yeah, I relief? think so because she's always getting into mischief. Because we need we need but a comedy relief. But at some point, she does get like I miss my, yeah. I miss my mom. Gotta have a little something of that. You know what? Also, we need in the in this movie. What's that? We need a kind of uptight butler, or not uptight. He's uptight to the parents, but he's warm. I don't know. I feel like we need How some sort of a foil. We need like a, a routing <laughs> butler. I think we need like a comic foil to yeah. the daughter, and we would we could maybe get it with the dad. I don't think it would work as well. You need someone who's kind of not in, like not involved emotionally in the situation, but just kind of on the outs, outside. You know what? We could also have. You could have. Uh, you could have the chauffeur who just uh, never does anything because the car's broken. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe yeah. Maybe he's a man of all. Man, yeah, he does many right, things. Yeah. Like he's he's a you know he's a manservant. Yeah, so you go in there, you see sense. like the chauffeur outfit is all like mm-hmm. dusty, and it's like, what's this? Well, the car hasn't worked, and da da da. Yeah. Well, why don't you take it in to be fixed? He doesn't trust anyone to touch it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't trust anyone to touch. Belong to his dad. Yeah. Has a, super important to him and stuff like that. Yeah. Doesn't trust anyone to touch it. Mm-hmm. So there you go. It's like, well, but that's why. That's why he has to secretly fix it. Yeah, and I don't. Right. That's why it can't fail because I think if he fail doing it, okay, it would destroy his character as we've because we want that competence to be part of his his character right sure and you know if we what make I'm, him incompetent okay, and he's this. not worthy of the doctor the i think the daughter then at some point comes not daughter but like the um doctor the, the doctor the doctor daughter yeah comes in and uh and sees this going on it's like oh my god what are you doing and yeah. uh, and he's like no i'm gonna do this just for the yeah. and uh and she helps him because she's got the good hands because mm. she's doctor sure, hands. Sure. and there's little things that like he can't reach that she can reach mm-hmm. and she's got the precision yeah and together they're able to like uh fix the car together so that when the uh because then when yeah. when the parents learned that the, the car was fixed and said their daughter did it as well that's double good i you know what i think i would prefer a flip there where he, he's like the surgeon and she's like the nurse where he's like spanner and she's handing him oh stuff. like we flip it around yeah no, that's absolutely what you do okay yeah. and here if it was a hallmark thing here's what i call it okay ready yep uh uh doc christmas <laughs> dr christmas yeah dr christmas okay that's yeah. pretty good if it was a Hallmark thing, hmm. Yeah, I can I can only, yeah, after Snowbody's Perfect, I feel like... Yeah, I've... Snowbody's Perfect is better, though. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it to a vote. Uh, listeners, what are we doing? Snowbody's Perfect or Dr. Christmas? You let us know and we'll uh, make this movie by next year. Okay. All right. We'll get on that. Yeah, we'll get on it. Yeah. We'll, we'll see if we can do a trailer. Um, Dave, yes. movies. Movies In are... this day and age... 
our our greatest form. Well, let's, of before we go to movies, let's let's talk about one little thing. A Please. while back, sure, a while back. Let's rewind. It was the 1990s. We don't remember this, but our listeners remember these things. So yeah. this is very nice. And so we got a nice email from from our one of our listeners, Marcus Harwell. Hey, Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. And we're just going to pause for a brief second. While sure, I, pause it up. We got a nice email from Marcus, and mm. he wrote to us. Uh, the subject is. A riff on the Edgar Allan Poe in the Old West idea. Right. So I don't know if you remember, a while back... We don't remember what episode this was. Of course not, because that would revolve remembering things. Yeah. We could look back through show summaries if sure. we really wanted to. Do you want to do that? No. No. Uh, so... If you if you want to, you can, you can yeah, do that, let us know. gentle listener. So, uh, so Marcus was inspired by our riffing on the idea of our kind of... We were kind of pitching to each other this, this idea of Edgar Allan Poe in the Old West... And the town of Usher and things like that. So, so Marcus thought this was great, and so he. Do you want me to read the whole email? Sure, go for it. So Marcus says, "I'm attaching a thing. I'm embarrassingly out of shape for comics and still learning the digital stuff. So apologies for the weird scheme. I originally thought it would be good in a Mignola, like Mike Mignola who did Hellboy mm-hmm. palette, but I did it again. But sorry, but if I did it again, I think old Scooby Doo colors would be a more fun palette." Or else you need a lot more black. So we did look at the image. I uh, showed it to Ian, and you said you said this reminds me of someone. Oh, uh, that reminds me a bit of uh, William Messner Lopes. Oh yes, that's right. That kind of loose line from a, a, yeah. a, a Journey: The Adventures of Wolverine McAllister. Yes, yes. And so this is uh, Marcus's potential timeline for his uh, pitch here. So it's okay. here's the potential timeline for it. He says early 1846, Alan Pinkerton later of eponymous detective agency fame, a young Scottish immigrant in Illinois reads and is fascinated by Poe's mysteries. It jibes with his experiences helping foil a band of counterfeiters, which he says, which he did in actuality. Hmm. Mid-1846, in the nearby town of Usher Falls, strange things are reported. Supernatural events are terrorizing the people. Pinkerton investigates but finds these things may be real. He wants to get to the bottom of it and thinks Poe would be a perfect companion. He writes to the author, but Poe is caring for his ailing wife and can't leave her. January 1847. Poe's wife dies. He's bereft and at a loss what to do. He remembers Pinkerton's letter and decides it's just a thing to assuage his grief, for a while at least. And he says, it's almost plausible. I like the idea a bunch, so I sketched up this thing. That's great. Yeah, it's great. We'll, we'll post it on the uh, web, on the po- on, with a post for the show so you can see Marcus's drawing of, of his pitch for the Edgar Allan Poe and the Old West idea. I like it. And was it was it called Usher? I can't remember. We were talking. I think it we, might have been called Usher. We had like, like the a town, town called the, Usher. The town of Usher. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I still like the yeah, idea I think, of incorporating I think, Mark Twain. Into I think your it. original title was uh, Pobody's uh, Perfect. Pobody's Perfect. <laughs> yes. For the for the for the uh, yes for the, the yes. Oh, I see. Yeah. Pobody's Perfect. <laughs> the way when you said it's me, I was thinking Poe Boy. Nope. Like a sound. Like no, nope, I'm saying it because your other one yeah. was nobody's perfect. Nobody's and perfect. So I'm doing Poe, but he's perfect. Now you incorporated Poe into it, and yep. oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, that's a that's a title. There you go. I don't think we can argue about that. Poe, but he's perfect. Poe, but he's perfect. <laughs> now so, back to back to the world of movies. Ba- back to the world of movies. So, yes, little, we're done though, right? You we said, said last, last week. I know. I but said, then you also said it was our seventh mm-hmm. anniversary or sixth anniversary many weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it turned out to be our seventh anniversary three weeks later. <laughs> so you know, mistakes shut get up, made. Don't ever about that. Everyone's forgotten. <laughs> No one remembers that. No. What happened? Well, it's interesting because, yes, I did say, I'll be honest, I did say mm-hmm. that we were done. We had no more movie movie lists. And then I was looking at, um, I, when I was 
conversing with Marcus last night about this drawing, mm-hmm. I uh, I know I when I was finished talking, I clicked on another person's message because I I, I wasn't sure if I had responded to something he had written to me because we've been busy for the last little while, sure, and I've been a little bit scatterbrained, and so. For instance, I forgot about Marcus's email. I forgot to respond to it. Oh, no. And I didn't forget about it, but I forgot to respond. And so that was kind of behind. And so I was looking at this message, and then I discovered that uh, Trevor, I'll give his, I think it's weird to talk about someone. Just, I'm going to keep it a secret. You'll never know who it was. Uh, I um, I didn't, uh, sorry. I He had sent a movie list, and I had forgotten about it because it was on Facebook Messenger, and I wasn't... Uh, I had been using my email as my as my way of keeping track of all this stuff. So, Trevor, I promise you we talk about this. So, thank goodness I found Here your we list go. Let's before, do it. Before I seem like a total jerk. He says, "Hi guys, if I can submit my fairly random top 10 movies." You can, Trevor. You can, Trevor. And this is it right now. Everyone ready? Here we go. Das Boot. Do you know that film? Have you seen that movie? Uh, I saw Das Boot. Yes, it was one of those movies where like when we first got a uh, we didn't get a when a, a rental place opened in town, yes. So we would still get the um, have to rent the VHS player, oh, top loading, top VH. loading, kachunk. <laughs> yeah. uh, watch the movie that has the nudity with your grandparents and feel awkward. And I believe this had some nudity in it, and it was a bit of a bummer. Mm. Uh, but I I really enjoyed the SCTV parody Das Boobs. <laughs> I never saw in that. brackets the boobs. I never saw that because it was. Uh... <laughs> That was from their HBO time or within their Super Channel sure. period, so I didn't see those episodes. But yeah, uh, it was a, it was an interesting film in different ways. One is it was from the German point of view, mm-hmm. so that was kind what of interesting. What war was this? It's World War Two. Okay, so he's a U-boat captain played by Jürgen Prochnow, I think his name was, and um, he, yeah, I, you know, I don't remember tons about it now. It's been a long time since I saw it. I do know that it was. I think I saw the longer version because there was a movie version of it, and then there was the like the four hour version because it was actually like I think a TV made for TV movie that was mm-hmm. was a bit longer, you know, and so I think I saw the longer version. And there's a great scene in it where they're trying to be quiet, I think, and they just let the the submarine sink down to the bottom of I think, oh yeah, and it starts to the pressure starts to to starts to that sounds <laughs> cause familiar, problems yeah. and rivets are popping out and things like that and yeah it's a very it's a very tense film and it's very claustrophobic of course because it takes place like you say it has nudity i don't remember that i just but i think i think maybe the longer version had some stuff that happens outside of the boat the movie okay. version i think is entirely in is in das boat it's entirely in in the submarine and so you get that really claustrophobic feeling uh, you know of this really small place and and they do it very effe- very effectively right I'm now looking up Das Boot Nudity, which seems like the wrong thing to do. Mm. I think you're just getting it mixed up with Das Boobs. I think I may be, I may be confusing con- it with Das Boobs. conflating boobs. the two together. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a possibility. But do you remember liking it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Okay. It's a very... Um, I was too young to really appreciate it. Okay. I saw it in, I th- young and dumb. I think I saw it in my 20s, and, and, I, and it's, a, you know, it's, a real tense, it's a real tense ride. Very good. Okay, Das Boot. Das Boot. The Boat. In brackets. Num- oops. Number? <laughs> yeah. Das Boot and in brackets, the Pina Colada song. Oh. <laughs> Every time I see brackets, I always think the Pina Colada song. <laughs> Second film? Oh. Oh, what both, are we doing? This is, the, this is that guilty movie that's come oh. up a few times. What's this? Lawrence of Arabia. 
I have not seen it. You have seen it. You joined a lot. All right, we're watching it right now. Let's get it on. Let's get that Lawrence of Arabia on. We're gonna. No, we're not. Uh, Trevor says the first film of this era I saw on the big screen with the director's cut. Oh, on the big screen. Mm. That would be gorgeous to see that on a big screen. David oh, Lean's ability gosh. to paint pictures on the big screen was breathtaking, and O'Toole never surpassed his performance of the tortured inventor of guerrilla warfare. Well, sir, I believe that you never saw a little movie called My Favorite Year. Yeah, that's the one that people will bring up yeah, as well. But, oh, my gosh. It's just so good. Yeah. We, we'll watch it. We'll watch it. We'll talk about it at some point. Third film, The Big Sleep, the 1946 mm-hmm. Bogart and Bacall film and film noir at its finest. Is that uh, You Know How to Whistle? Uh... No, that's To Have and Have Not. Okay. Which is based on a Hemingway short story. But that is still the two of them, right? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he, it's a... It's a uh, then I'm remembering the wrong movie, sir. It's a Raymond Chandler book, The Big Sleep, with da- uh, with um, Philip Marlowe as the the hero, mm-hmm. kind of the early version of the antihero, the sort of hard boiled detective characters of that time period. And so it's basically a mystery where there's a um, murder, there's blackmail, there's a obviously gay character who is uh, I can't really remember much about what happens to that character. There's a weird there's a weird kind of plot of like a a used book or a bookstore like a, a fine a fine like a fine you know kind of like collectible books bookstore that's being uh that you know it's just very it's an odd story and what's interesting about it is there's a point in the film where the director of it and i was it john houston who directed that one that's i know that raymond chandler had a part in writing the screenplay for it all right and i think lee brackett also worked on it you who, keep talking i'll find out who later and I could be totally wrong on that. This well, is I the feel nice, like I'm such a... This is the nice thing about actually having uh, a place with Wi-Fi. I'm mixing everything now because I know that the Lee Brackett worked on The Long Goodbye, the, the Altman film, which is which is another Philip Marlowe story. Mm-hmm. So I could be conflating Directed the two. Directed by Howard Hawks. Howard Hawks. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> the, the great, thank you. That's the, a great hawk, huh? Yeah, was that really, a great hawk? That was a good hawk. <laughs> No, no, that wasn't quite as yeah, not as great as he was as a director. As he was as a director. Okay, very good. What's so great about Howard Hawks is that there's no movie genre that he couldn't direct and be really great at it. Mm. You know, you want to you want a, a kooky comedy? How about Bringing Up Baby? I do like a kooky comedy. A, I do like a Bringing Up Baby. How about a '50s kooky comedy? Okay, give me one. Oh, I'm gonna have to think of one now. <laughs> Monkey Business with uh, Cary Grant Man, and uh, Ginger Rogers. All talk. Um, great Western, yeah. Uh, Real Bravo, Real Bravo with uh, John Wayne and, and uh, okay, you 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 got it. That's think, a lot. Of and Dean stuff. Martin's in that one, right? Scarface, Bringing Up Baby, Red River, The Big Sleep, Gentlemen River, Prefer yeah. Blondes, Only Angels Have Wings. That's a great movie. With uh, another Cary Grant one with uh, Gene Arthur, where they're um, they they're pilots who fly these high altitude flights over the mountains to bring the mail. So mm-hmm. it's a super dangerous job. And she cool. she kind of washes up there as this woman who ends up kind of coming between the guys and stuff. It's a it's a good movie though. He's a very good director. Very nice. Good. But yeah, he asked Raymond Chandler. He said, "I just had a question for you. Who murdered this character in the movie? Like we you know we solved this murder, we solved this murder, but who murdered this guy?" Chandler went, "I don't know." Ah, I should know. Who you don't solve it. all the murders. You don't. You can I guess you oh, got to learn. Forget it. Life. That's life, right? It's like in sco- yeah. the schoolyard. What are you gonna do? You gonna solve all the murders? Like I said, what fun is that? You know, like when murders take place in the school, you have to learn that sometimes not all murders are solved. Exactly. It's part of growing exactly. up. Exactly. That's a lesson everyone has to learn. Everyone has to learn that lesson. Number whatever. With a bullet. Casablanca. Sure. Which he says predictable but brilliant. And I've said before, but that's a We've movie. We've talked about that one, and by gosh, yes. That's a movie where I'm like, 
if I flip it through the or turn on TCM and it's on, and I'll be like, ugh, Casablanca, stupid movie. And then I watch it for about five minutes. And I'm like, oh, this movie's so good. <laughs> and I'll just watch it to the end. I just can't help it. By the end of it, you're wearing a white suit. Wait a minute. Where'd you get that from? <laughs> Come on, Dave. You're getting to that next movie. Because if you don't, you'll regret it. Maybe not now. Maybe not tomorrow. But soon. For the rest of your life. Ian, yeah. I think this is the start of a wonderful friendship. This is a movie. Beautiful. Oh, is it beautiful? Yeah. Damn it all. No, just calling you beautiful. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this movie is uh, that he likes. Isn't that, they're not numbered, so I missed. Sure. Why would they be numbered? Okay. I don't think this is the title of the film. Okay. But I think this is the film that I'm thinking of. The Watchmen. Is that what it's called? Is it called The Watchmen or is it it's called Watchmen? Are you talking about the movie that we've seen? With I, I don't know. He doesn't have a date. So let's pretend that he's talking about Watchmen. I want to see if there's a movie called The Watchmen. Okay. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm interested in that. Okay. Well, we had a weird experience with... Uh, Watchmen. Oh, wait, that Watchmen is a Canadian alternative rock band. Well, that's not what he's talking about. <laughs> well, I knew about. that. It's not talking well, about not that talking at about all. Them, yeah. uh, the film, it just keeps going for Watchmen. So let's say it's that. Uh, you and I went to a Comic-Con. We did. We went down to San, San Francisco. And uh, there was a panel that we saw with Zack Snyder and some of the actors. From a lot the of the film. actors were in it. Sure, sure. And they were there. And, uh, we, we, you know, uh, you and I enjoyed the book when it came out uh, as, as a comic. A, I was a big fan of the com- I, I'm a big fan of the comics. Right. And as I'm we, a less fan of the graphic novel. Yes, because as we've discussed previously, um, there is that time in between where you get to make up your own story and that adds so much to it. Make up it, your own story or find more detail in it because there's so much yes. detail in, in, in Ellen Moore's in writing. In a similar way to uh, Twin Peaks, especially Twin Peaks The Return to mm-hmm. me, where it's like it's just so much fun to like add your own stuff yeah. and figure things out. Try and then and when you put them all together, it's like, yeah, it's all fine, but you know, <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, you need that break between chapters. But uh, then they showed us the first couple of minutes of it they showed us the opening title credits yep. and then they showed us like the first scene with like rorschach breaking into the comedian's mm-hmm. yeah. uh well apartment. well uh, yeah apartment after the murder mm-hmm. and uh the opening title credits remain to me the best part of the film because they were the yeah. they were the they were the only part that took real artistic liberty and 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 varied from the comic itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i don't think it was that effect like i still liked it the ending has changed the ending is changed yeah, from the comic bit. as yeah. well and I've never been a big fan of the ending of, of Watchmen. And so I was not opposed to them changing the ending, but I I didn't think that they reached a better solution than we had anyway. That, yeah. that, sorry, that Moore had already come to. Like I and I I can't remember <laughs> to be honest, I can't remember the ending of the movie. The ending Watchmen. yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna ruin the ending of the of the book and yeah, it was, you can ruin the ending of the movie though. What's how did the movie? At the, well, well the explosion because I remember my friend Jay died. Like my friend Jay is the newspaper uh, man uh, who's talking to the kid who's reading oh, okay. a comic book. Okay, and so he gives him the hug uh, at the end when the explosion comes that like takes out a big chunk of the city, and I think that's what happens. And then so the, yeah, I think it leaves out the alien element of it. Yeah, because the idea for for Moore was that humans could only. Six, like humans can only save themselves if they ha- there's a threat outside enemy, of our yeah. a threat outside of ourselves, and so uh, um, the Ozymandias, the brilliant, the character of the sort of genius, yeah, uh, this is his plan. Whereas the movie, I think, changed that slightly. I'm sorry if I've spoiled that 30 year old novel 
graphic novel. One series. thing I did think that was better was with Ozymandias and the well, even all the characters were, uh, but especially Ozymandias, I thought I thought had more. Um, you got more empathy for him. You got a little more depth with the actor, with looking in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Whereas it was he was drawn with kind of dead eyes in yeah. the uh, in the comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, they did do. I mean, Dave Gibbons did a very good job with um, with the Night Owl character. And what was the the silhouette? Something. Yeah, silky silhouette, sapphire star. Yeah, the silk specter. Specters. Yeah, I think silk specter is right. Yeah, <laughs> he did a good job with them with the yeah, yeah. you know let, letting you in. But I think uh, they did a nice job with Osmandius, and uh, you know, well, I guess because Osmandius was the villain, you couldn't really show too much of what right of his inner life or what was going on with him. And the uh, you know, and you got some uh, you know, you got some penis in in it as well, casual penis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue penis. So, yeah, it's weird now because they've tried to bring them back in the comics, and you got to put pants on them. It's like, well, then knock it off. That's the thing. You got to like, he's got to have his penis hanging out, and then everyone's like, well, I don't want to say anything because he's, uh, you know, God, and you can't say, hey, God, put mm-hmm. your dick away, yeah, because he's gonna blow me up. So I got to be cool about it. <laughs> Definitely has godlike powers, yeah, but lacks that essential element of of God. Well, it's a yeah. it's a difficult, uh, you know, question whether or not. Uh, Ozymandias, not Ozymandias, sorry, Dr. Mi- Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan. Uh, has free will themselves, or if they're locked into, like the second that they became that, yeah. they saw the future and just went, well, now I'm just stuck on this rail. Yeah. There's nothing else, there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. And so is he you know, a character of sympathy he, because he he's withdraws now, from he's, it? Yeah. He's just trapped on there and whatever he, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's all right. But yeah, I don't think it was. I mean, it was it was fine. Like the the movie itself, I enjoyed when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, less so afterwards. Didn't really want to see all the extra stuff with the pirates. Um, but uh, I still think the best part was the opening. I would agree. Showing the times they are changing and uh, and uh, it was just so surreal and weird. My my feeling about the movie is it didn't it didn't it didn't excite me the way that the novel the way the comic book series did. You know when like when Rorschach goes to jail in the comics, you have mm-hmm. a month to yeah. wait to find out what what's going to happen next. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my god, yeah. he's dead. They're just going to murder him there, just yeah. murderized. Whereas the, the movie, of course, it just can very quickly go to the next scene, and and I and where you feel like in the film there should be something that happens that's kind of boring there, that kind of breaks up that element, so yeah. that you're not. You're not. Uh... That is the thing. It wasn't dull enough at times. Where that's the thing is like the the comic mixes the mundane with the surreal, mm-hmm. and and uh, that's a really nice jarring juxtaposition. But yeah, they don't really have that in the movie because you know, well, that's dull. Let's cut it. Yeah, it's just like yeah. go to da 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 da. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Night Owl is boring, so you get his boringness kind of helps to. Yeah, and it was right before comic book movies got very good. Like mm. the Marvel movies got very good. Yeah. Or even like the DC movies got very, you know, pretentious. Yeah. So so it's a shame because it feels like if you did it now, you'd have you'd be able to do a bit of a commentary on what those movies are in a way that maybe the comic did, yeah. you know, of uh, you know, uh, back, back then. But eh, it was all right. And I just have to say that I'm, uh, I'm not right. a, I'm not a fan of Zack Snyder's style of of how he films fights or anything. I just don't I don't think he's a a great filmmaker. Yep. I don't I don't like I don't like 300. I know there's people who like that movie. I think it's a terrible movie. I think Watchmen was better, but I think it's a better source. But he's a better 
the graphic novel is better than than Frank Miller's 300. And I don't I don't normally like uh, the song Alleluia in movies, but as it, it was so corny <laughs> in this one that it worked for me, and that you actually that like this? shot flames at the end to to symbolize uh, well, the climax. Which is like, okay, if you're going to go corn, mm-hmm. go full corn. And because also those were elements that weren't in yeah. the comic. Yeah. It was like, well, you just did something new. So that's that's weird and new and that's That's goofy. nice. And, and I do like the, because I really hate when Hallelujah is pulled out as like, as like a song about mourning or sadness or something like that. And, or it has a religious element to it. Because it doesn't. It's a song about sex and getting it on with a girl. And how do you approach, how do you approach someone and say the right thing in order to get what yeah. you want? And, and you know, and... Like, you could do, like, 16 different versions of that song because Leonard Cohen never stopped writing Hallelujah. Mm. Like, he worked on it for, for years, and he just kept adding and adding verses to it, and he kept changing. And so when he recorded it, he chose these verses. And when, when um, um, Jeff Buckley recorded it, and Jeff Buckley, you know, recorded one of the most famous versions of it, he chose different verses than Leonard Cohen did. He still used Cohen's verses, yeah. but he just chose his own version of it and so it's it's interesting like everyone you can kind of make your own song sure. of that of that song neat um and so i didn't really listen to the lyrics from in the movie theater but i i hope that they chose like the sexier lyrics for that sequence because it is sung over during a sex sequence right oh yeah 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 it's uh it's night owl and silky's Silky, Silky, yeah Silky they lyrics. actually they actually get to enjoy themselves and yeah. it's yeah it's 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 good mm-hmm. i like i like that part Okay, um, I just want to say one. I just want Don't to go say off, more. off the rails a little bit here. Go I, off the rails. I was watching a show on Netflix called Happy. Yes, do you I, know this I, show? I watched the full season. Yes, you watched the full season. Yes. Oh, I gave up. No, it's really great. Really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it. Oh, I didn't like it at all. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I just found it. I it was so over the top that it. Uh, yeah. I, I went for it. Yeah. I, was, I, just, like, I didn't I like how get, it was filmed. I, I didn't can like get, the I can tone get of that it. you didn't like the ride. Yeah. I, I understand yeah. that. No, I completely understand it. I can see how that is in no way for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> but I, uh, at first I was like, "Oh, Pat Oswalt does a voice in it. Okay, this could be. This will be good." Yep. Nope. No, no I understand. It gets extreme and it goes more extreme. Yeah, this and it goes more extreme and it goes more extreme. But I, I, I think uh, I watched three episodes and then I just went, "I get it. That's fine. Thanks, guys." And I didn't, yeah, I didn't like the look of it. I didn't like. It was filmed like a 90s movie, which I don't, I'm not a fan of that kind okay. of shiny look to films. So I didn't enjoy that. It felt like a 90s, it felt like it's something written in the 90s. It had that kind of, you know, cynical, ironic, you know, cruelty to it. And so that kind of turned me off. Yeah, I just, there's nothing, there was nothing for me to hold on to in that film. It just felt, everything about it felt mean. And after a while, I was just like, what a mean movie or TV show. I am off the mean train. Sure. So long, everyone. I can see how you're saying that. Yeah. Uh, it, it goes interesting places. Huh. Yeah. It's got a villain that's very uh, uh, Garth Ennis. Like, uh, you know, that well, kind of... it's written of, by Grant Morrison. Yeah, but it's very sure. Garth Ennis. Like, okay. in, in that it's the kind of villain that you will see in, like, a preacher or something like that okay. would, uh, would, would, would be right. Okay. Again, it's not perfect, but it was something weird and interesting, and then... They went, yeah. They went to some 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 interesting creative ways with it that I was on board with. It just kept like going, okay. Well, I'm not feeling like you're repeating yourself within any of these. So here you go. But I did not like the comic. Oh, it's based on a comic. Yes, it is. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, next film, the Laurel and Hardy movie, Sons of the Desert. I have not seen that. Me neither. But, but again, had a big poster for it in uh, the old apartment I lived in. 
Mia culpa. I know people will be angry at me when I say this. Is I've never been a big Laurel and Hardy fan. And I and the person I was renting off of then was a member of the Sons of the Desert, yes, which was right. the uh, Abbott Ab- <laughs> Costello fan club. You walked in the door of that apartment. There was a giant poster of them on the wall. A giant McDonald's poster with them eating. I think like a Big Mac. <laughs> which I don't know. That's well, I guess. Uh, yeah, I just. Man, I'm sorry. I, I have seen a little bit of Laurel and Hardy, uh, but I said Abbott Costello. Sorry yeah, about that. Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. Laurel and Hardy. I have. I've seen a little bit of Laurel and Hardy, but I don't know. There's just something about them that just doesn't appeal to me. Because here's the thing. Why do I like Buster Keaton? I like Buster Keaton because he's an expert at something. Like his character will be a, he'll be an incompetent, a maladroit for a while in the movie. But at some point he needs to kick it into gear and suddenly he can do whatever he needs to do to get the job done. You know, he can be, he can be a great athlete. He can, he can get that train going. He can get the riverboat to safety. He can, whatever, you know, like he can... And I, I like that. I like, I like the Marx Brothers because they can do what they want. Those are my favorite Marx Brothers films, the Paramount ones, because they can just do what they want. But as a kid, what could be more appealing to you as a kid when you were trapped by your limitations as a as a as a child? Yeah. You know, the control of your parents, the control of everyone around you. Yeah. Just to be able to be that Bugs Bunny character, be that Groucho Marx character, and just say what you want, go where you want, do what you want. That seems so magical to me, and I just—that's what I really appeal to me. Laurel and Hardy are trapped by themselves. They are too. <laughs> they are never not incompetent. They are never not angry at each other. They're never not in some sort of perilous situation that one cries about and one gets angry at the other. And it just—to me, it's just frustrating to watch them. There's nothing. There's nothing beautiful about it. The way there's something beautiful about Chaplin or, or Keaton or, or freeing about the Marx Brothers. That's that's how that's where I come down on it. So that is my mea culpa and my excuse and my reason and my br- proudly proclaimed banner that I carry with me wherever I go. You've seen my banner. Oh, I have. Have I ever seen that yeah. banner? Yes. Number something. <laughs> I've not seen this movie either, but it sounds interesting. It's called The Chaser. Oh. And he says an amazing and heartbreaking is... Korean thriller. Okay, no, I have not seen that. I have not seen it. I'm sorry. I cannot comment on it. Okay. I'm going to put it in my list, though, because I really, I'm a big fan of Korean cinema, so there's lots of Korean films I've seen and love, so so I will search it out. Done and done. Next one, a film that we both like a lot, Star Wars, and he says, pre-George Lucas CGI. Yes. It blew my tiny 10-year-old brain when it came out, and I saw this 11 times. For a sci-fi fan in the 70s, this was like wandering out of the desert into the biggest oasis you could imagine. Yeah, kind of a perfect movie. Kind of a perfect movie taken on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not a sci-fi person, and it's not a sci-fi film, and it's not a sci-fi film. That's that's why I liked it so much as a kid. Like I saw the commercials for it on TV, and I just vividly remember turning to my dad, where my grandma's house, who was sitting on the couch watching TV with me, and and I was sitting on the floor, and I just turned to him and I said, "This will be the greatest movie ever," and he just gave me my dad's sort of thing, like, "Oh yeah." Let me that's ask you this: thing. Do you think they pulled a fast one? Who did? Um, George Lucas, and let me let me throw this by you. Okay, that what he did was okay. He made. You're not going to defend Potter again, are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, Henry, uh, Potter from uh, Mash. I'm going to defend him as being a better camp leader. Oh yeah. Than uh, Blake. The Colonel Blake. Here's what it, here's what the thing is with your Star Wars. Sure. Let me say this. Star Warsies. Uh, but just the Star Wars, the main Star Wars, not your future Star, not your okay. other ones, not the ones that are out now. I think what you got there is you don't have a sci-fi movie, as as we said, mm-hmm. but what you've got is basically like a fantasy movie, sure. where it's you know a knight who finds his sword, yeah. who fights the evil wizard, yeah. and blows up the castle. Sure, uh, it's all fantasy shit. Yeah, 
uh, but they just threw uh, sci-fi on on top of it. Yeah. And and whereas I think like if it was a fantasy movie, people would be like, ugh, I don't want to see this about a wizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he grabs a sword. Sure. Fuck this. Yeah. Oh, it's in space. Hmm. Space, you say? Yeah. Well, we just landed on the moon less than uh, ten years ago. I'm all for space. That sounds good. Let's go see it. But it wasn't space movie. It was it was fucking wizards. Yeah. And shit. Yeah. It's like Merlin mm-hmm. leads uh, Arthur. Yeah. Uh, gives him the sword. He fights the dark wizard. Uh, and then you find out the dark wizard. Well, his dad later, but that you don't know yeah. that then. For this, for this case, it doesn't matter. And he's the chosen one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he finds the magic thing and uh, uses magic powers and fucking does the thing. Well, yeah, I mean George Lucas casts a spell into the hole, and uh, there you go. Lucas already, obviously, already had like a sympathy for science fiction. His first film, THX 1138, which is science fiction, which is a science fiction movie. Exactly. There's not a lick of magic in that. There's not a lick of magic in it. So he likes that form. But when he started doing Star Wars, he wanted to incorporate not just science fiction, but he wanted to have like Japanese samurai films as part of it. Sure. People have said The Hidden Fortress, the Akira Kurosawa film, was a... Is it Akira? Anyway, uh, the Kurosawa film was, uh, a, you know, had some, you know, influence on it. It's If you watch it, it's hard to see. The, yeah. The thieves are maybe the robots. This is what but, people say. Yeah. But like... But there is a princess yeah. in it that they rescue. But, sure. But yeah, it's that a, also works for fantasy. Completely. But I think it's more the samurai sword element of it that was interesting. I wonder to him. though, it's like I, I've heard that. Yeah. But but then I go like, okay, so yes, there is the sword fighting, and mm-hmm. I'll give you that. And yeah, they're yeah. wearing robes, and I'm all for that. And the robes, yeah, like the look of it. I think he liked the look of the sure. the Kurosawa. It films. feels like what he what he did was he went. I'm going to take a fantasy story, yeah. like sword and sorcery fantasy mm-hmm. story with wizards and shit. Yeah. Now I'm going to dress them up as if they're uh, in like Japanese films. Yeah. Now here's the deal going to send him up to space. So but that- not just that. He goes, I also love movies about the Battle of Britain. I love watching fighter pilots in mm, movies. Sure. So I want to have that in the film that as well. That shit in space too. So he has to like... You got a battleship as your first thing. Yeah. It's like, but it's a battleship. Get yeah. this. We're yeah. under it. What do you mean you're under mm-hmm. it? Because we're in space, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Check this shit out. So I think, yeah, I think space was more of a way to have all these things combined yeah, in the film. Yeah, if you're going to have Because you, you couldn't have a Battle of Britain sequence in a in a true fantasy film yeah. where, you know, unless people were riding on dragon's backs and stuff the like pro- that. The problem, too, is like, if you want to have a, a big war-like uh, sequence, how are you going to do that and not have it be gory as hell? Mm-hmm. Especially in this day and age where you're coming out of Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. Well, no one wants to see blood. Okay, mm-hmm. get this. It's in space. People just blow up. You see nothing. Yeah. There's not a lick of blood. And, yeah. and if we hit someone with a sword, guess what happens? Spray of blood? Fuck that. Nope. nope. Cauterizes, Cauterizes immediately. Yeah. Just drops off clean. Yeah, yeah. Great. So you've taken care of all this problems. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but but in all the descriptions, whenever they go like, yeah, he liked the Samurai's movies. Oh, yeah. he liked the old Buck Rogers' movies. Yeah. But no one ever like throws out, and he was a big fan of, where's the wizards come from? Because this is packed full of wizards and magic. Yeah. Where's that influence? Mm. And they never like bring that up like he was a fan of Tolkien. He liked a Gandalf. What, 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 where did this he come from? I mean, he could have liked those elements, but. He's, he seemed like a nerd. He I could feel, have. I mean, I feel like. People overdo the uh, Joseph Campbell element of it. The, sure, they the do. The hero with a thousand faces or whatever. Yeah. But I mean... But I never see a lick of magic in any of these influences whenever they bring these up. Yeah. Like, yeah. where's that from? Because it's soaking in magic. I mean, Tolkien was huge in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Huge. So big. Like, there's Led Zeppelin songs that, like, basically quote or take, borrow characters and borrow scenarios from Tolkien and reintegrate them in songs. Like, it's, you know, so... 
you know, he talks about Mordor and these things like that. So it was obviously in the culture. So, yeah. I mean, that could be part of it. For sure, that would be part and of it. And the flaw, of course, later on in the later movies, sorry, to, I know we're yeah. not talking about them. Yeah. But the, the flaw then is when you try and rationalize magic, now we're really in trouble. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to. You shouldn't be, well, do that. because yeah. you're also like, well, wait a second. In this film, you can wave <laughs> your hand and yeah. you've destroyed a whole room. Yeah. But in this film, uh, we're just like slap fighting. Like, what's going on? Like, how powerful are you? Well, yeah. Luke's falling. Well, catch him. Mm-hmm. Catch him. Yeah. You can like whip guys around. You can grab a guy and just like point at him and he's like on the other side of the room. Grab your son. Just get him now. Pull him in. You can do that. He doesn't know you can do that. Grab him. Yeah. That's not a problem. Or like, yeah. hey, zap him with a little fucking lightning, Jack. You can you can do that. Do yeah. it. I know. It's, what are uh, we doing? But yeah. it's like that's the problem with magic, is like mm-hmm. magic is so meh, it's so vague, there's no limitations on it, so it 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 tends to fuck up your story. Uh I guess if you let it run too wild, I think I mean I think Star Wars is a really good balance of of the magic and, and just the you know, practical or pragmatic element of these right. people living in this in this world that you know, for me, Star Wars feels like a lived-in place. It feels like it feels filled in enough that you can understand yeah. parts of it, but it doesn't. It's not filled in so much that you feel over-explained or that you need, you know. And that's I think to me that's one of my pet peeves, of course, about a universe building, which I don't super enjoy, is that idea of filling in and then not being able to like come back and just go whatever. Right. <laughs> Did I say that? I meant this. But uh, yes, it's a and it's a it's a problem in later in later movies. You know, when you think about it too much, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, so there's magic, mm-hmm. and everyone knows there's magic. Well, if you're a guy in the universe, yeah, wouldn't you want to learn some magic? Like, why you, you might as well learn a little magic? Why are any of these thugs in the bar? Yeah, go like, hey, I'm gonna go learn some force shit, like yeah. some dark force shit, because. I'll be able to push people around and and zap them. What am I doing? Getting my arm cut off by this dink. <laughs> I, it's funny, like, Star Wars is... I mean, I love Star Wars in grade five, but it's funny to me, like, I don't know if... I don't know if people assume that I I love Star Wars. I don't actually love Star Wars that much. I think it's it's a good movie. It wouldn't be on my top ten list. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I've only seen all of the movies twice, except for the prequels, which I've only seen once. Like, I've never watched any of those movies more than two times. And that's plenty. Like I don't need to see them again. Like yeah, I enjoyed them. Where I where I think but, you, uh, it's worth seeing them is like in the movie theater because it's an experience with. with I saw other them in people. the movie theater. I saw them twice in the movie theater. Well, so maybe I see them more than oh I've seen them more than because I've seen them on, on DVD now. So I should say I've seen them three times. I've seen the uh, I've seen the uh, first ones, the the original trilogy, whatever you call it. I've seen them three times now because I watched them on DVD, which wasn't as good as seeing them in the theater. That was that was better. So I saw them both in the theater. I saw all three of the, all three of the first ones in the theater twice. Okay, just because they were in the theater for so long that I ended up going yeah, for another reason. That like, makes sense. Like I went, I went to like opening week for all those films, and it always seemed like someone's birthday came along, and we went to see the movie later on, and it as it radiated out into the out into the hinterland theaters. Yes, you know? this does make sense. Next on our list is Doctor Strangelove. Sellers is my favorite actor, and this is this is his tour de force. In my honest opinion, right now I'm just thinking of sorry Star Wars with Tour of the Force. Um, <laughs> no, I agree. You know, it gave him the room to ham it up as the different mm-hmm, characters mm-hmm. and uh, did a did a great job and was super dark and ended amazingly well. Like it's yeah. a dark, funny, weird stick of the forever ending. 
Like it's a really surreal movie that you do not know where it's going next yeah, yeah. at all. Yeah. You think like, oh, it's a comedy, so it's going to end fine. And then it's like, oh, it does not end fine. <laughs> and that's a tough thing to do with a comedy is yeah. to end your comedy in a dark place, especially mm-hmm. with such a dark topic that people find so disturbing sure. and still have people like the movie and not going, well, fuck, I don't need that in my head. That's the, the way you do that is the, the way you do that is you have your oblivious soldiers ride the ride the bomb to the ground, you know. Which gives it this weird surreal element that kind of removes you from the tragedy yeah. of it, you know, the horribleness of it. And then the yeah. will meet again, playing at the end. <laughs> that just is so haunting. It's a very good film. And uh, quite funny. It's very funny, but like all Kubrick films, it's a very cold film to me. I never yep. feel like any of his movies have any emotion to them. They're all like interesting games or puzzles. But this environment works for that. Because mm-hmm. if you're someone who has to deal with nuclear weapons... yeah. Uh, you you can't. How can you emotionally connect with with being the people who decide yeah. who lives and dies? So having this cold distance actually does work with these characters. It doesn't always work, but mm-hmm. it works. It yeah. works in this case. Yeah. yeah, I think it works very well in that. I think it works very well in Clockwork Orange. Yeah, that emotional distance is. Yeah, that's is the good. thing. You need to have characters that are emotionally distant uh, from you, uh, or just emotionally distant. Period from yeah. the, from their environment mm-hmm. uh, to to have it work. It kind of works in uh you know it works in uh, shining as well i think you know where you have a guy who's just so obsessed and like well, why doesn't he care about what any well that's just that's this Cause, is kubrick because he's a child abuser yeah but it's also a kubrick movie so yeah. he's not going to care about anyone but himself no one in a kubrick movie goes oh did i hurt that person's feelings i should probably have a word and like nope that's true yeah right yeah. on your own path yeah 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 his films are very cold very cold. That's why he stayed in England. That's where the cold directors come from. Mm-hmm. Like, I like technology, and I'm going to tell you, make a very technical movie. What about the heart? The, the what? The it, heart pump, will, it pumps blood. That's right. It pumps blood. That's it'll, all it does. It'll come with the technology. Technology brings heart. Don't people know that? Is this the last movie? This might be the last movie. Okay. Airport. Dean Martin as your pilot. Boeing yeah. 707's marital infidelity as the norm and more split screens than you can shake a stick at. Sure. Yep, it's the 70s. Does love the Arthur Haley book and being an aviation nerd, this is a must. Yeah, it's really good. It set me off on watching all of those movies. Mm, I remember we went, we and with, went with to with uh, diminishing results. Mm. Except except the one, I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember, what was the one where they were actually underwater? 79, isn't it? Or something like that? Yeah, that Besides, got so or, bizarre sorry. that it was like, that's interesting. Or 77, like somewhere in there. Somewhere yeah. like that. So yeah. I think you're right with 77. Uh, but the first one, yeah, it's smooth and interesting and cool, and you really like the airplane, and it's uh, yeah, it's it gets dark and exciting. And is that okay? So is that the one with Karen Black as the stewardess who has to pilot the plane, or is that a I, later one? I believe so. And is it Gloria Swanson? I believe uh, playing Gloria Swanson. <laughs> okay. Let's see, airplane. Looking at no airport airport i was trying to get it right and got it wrong <laughs> because by the way airports are an actual thing which makes searching for them more difficult but airport movie you're right you're right here we go uh 1970 film uh burt lancaster dean martin uh we got your uh, george kennedy helen hayes uh van uh, helfen maureen stapleton heflin heflin sorry about that maureen stapleton barry nelson lloyd nolan uh barbara hale yeah so oh, so that is not the karen black one i think that's not. the second one uh airport yeah maybe they're all blending whatever. in here i i don't think i've seen that film i'm not really yeah i mean it's, okay well, you know so what i think you'd enjoy it here's the thing when i when i grew up as a kid i enjoyed watching movies a lot and i did watch movies on tv 
And then at some point oh, I saw... No, this was, this was good. There was some good ways of, like, they solved the problems. Mm. It was a good problem-solving movie, yes. I saw... I saw um, Karen Black one is very good, though. The, it was probably for a few dollars more. And the movie opens on your TV set when you're a little kid. And it's got these red bands on the top and the bottom for the, okay. for the credit sequence. And I was watching it. And, it was, you know, I was in junior high school. I was probably grade seven or eight. And I was watching this and I was... I realized I had a sudden shock. This is what a movie should look like on television. Mm. This is the actual movie that we're seeing. Yeah. And then when the credits ended and the screen just went blomp into giant yeah. square shaped. Let's start panning yuck, and scanning. I, I just turned it off. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, well, I guess I didn't turn that one off because I actually love that movie. But I just, I guess I just gritted, gritted, gritted my teeth and watched it. But that's one reason I never watched Star Wars for a long time. Because when it was shown on television, it was always shown pan and scan. And I knew I wasn't seeing the movie and yeah. I just couldn't. Be bothered. And yet to watch people got it. so bothered when you'd uh, when when they show it in the right way oh, with the yeah. black bars at the yeah. top bottom. They're cutting oh, off the movie. I want to almost see the full screen. It's like yeah, but you're not. You are seeing the full screen. <laughs> yeah. No, I want the full screen to be like oh yeah. my gosh, you people. Well, the the problem. I mean, I can kind of understand because the problem was that the TV technology took a t- took a while to catch up to the idea of letterboxing because yeah. our screens were all still an Academy standard size, and so it took a while for like widescreen TVs sure. to become popular. I remember going to England. And they had widescreen TVs well before we did. Mm. And I was like, why don't we have these TVs? This is how we should be watching television. And everything was letterbox there. Darn tootin'. I was like, oh, this is dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Agreed. Uh, but it's a good problem-solving movie. It's very cool. It is very of the era. And mm. uh, and yeah. Well, if they're showing it on TCM one night or something, I'll, I'll make a point of watching Sir, it. Sir, I say you should see it. Okay. I will Sir, see it. I will see it. I say you should see it. I will see it. Let me just let me just wrap up. Sure, please. Trevor's uh, list. He says overall the ten films that have influenced me the most over my life. No real connection other than that, but I hope it's of interest. It was of interest. Thank you. Agreed. Sorry, we hadn't seen all the films. Is it's that's been the part I've actually enjoyed the most of all the lists is when we hit a movie that we haven't seen mm. or I haven't seen, and I'm like, well, you like a movie? That movie? Okay, well, I'll have to keep an eye open for it. I'll have to try and watch it. Agreed. Um, I haven't. I I do have like a couple of films that people recommended or had on their list, and I haven't had time to watch them yet. So I do feel bad about that. But I'll get there. One of these centuries, I'll organize it enough. I'll get organized. <laughs> One of these days, as when I was a kid, I had a little uh, like um, tack board on on my wall, which I didn't actually put tacks in because I had like a drawings on it that I really liked. <laughs> but one of the things it said on it was, "One of these days, I'm going to get organized." <laughs> that was pretty hilarious. Well, you know a, what I say, little kid. Poverty's nerfed. Poverty's nerfed. That's right. <laughs> If we had episode titles, that would be it. <laughs> we should. Uh, throw in a couple of plugs out before we wrap up. Hey, Christmas is just around the corner. Why not pick up a copy of Sparks? A delightful book uh, yes. for any age, but also for the youngins. Uh, about two cats that uh, decide to dress up like a dog and save the world from an evil alien baby. Dave it's is very, the colorist. It's a very good book. Uh, not just because I colored it. And it's, it's getting on some nice lists uh, end it of year, is. which is very nice. Uh, and all available kinds of ends of at your local store. Yeah, Dave colored, I wrote, and Nina Matsumoto, the third dragon, drew it. Uh, good fun. Uh, and hey, why not pick up comic books? What greater gift is there than comic books? Uh, and the third issue of Exorcisters, as we said, is coming out next week. And you're going to get a little uh, sneaky treat on the cover if you take a little peek. So if you like the podcast, go pick up the comic and go, hey! And then uh, look <laughs> in the back and see... Uh, well, no, you will... Th- uh, sorry, I'm sorry. That one will be next next month. This this month will not have that on there. Oh, the, this yeah. month uh, will be a different cover. But pick it up anyway, and then pick up the one next. next yeah, yeah. Month I want to follow well. the story. Yeah, 
Don't want to be too but totally this, confusing. Uh, this this issue, uh, you learn uh, basically it's two uh, two sisters, uh, Kate and Kate, uh, who will get your soul out of hell if uh, you uh, lose it. You're going to find out uh, a little bit more about uh, the straight laced Kate, Kate uh-huh. with a C, hmm. uh, and see the first encounter she had with demons. Oh, so we're going to flashback. See also her first romance. Oh, sounds exciting. Yep. Have you read this yet? I haven't read three yet. I'm going to get you a copy of that as soon as we're done. Oh, thanks. Thanks very, very much. Good. I've read one and two, and they're both very good. Thank you very much. You're, As you know, I think you're a very good writer. Aw, And thanks. Giselle is a really good cartoonist. You guys work together really well. Thanks. We've And again, this has been on some lists, too, at the end of the year, which has been quite nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. It's, good. Uh, it's the ninth uh, highest rated uh, uh, crit- critical uh, highest rated book of the year. So that's been nice. So let's reflect that in sales, people. Yep. Yazo. Yazoo. <laughs> oh, and let's throw this out there. Sure. Hey, if you want to hear a little bit more of Dave's uh, dulcet tones, uh, we got a spinoff podcast that uh, is coming your way. We just wrapped up the Marx Brothers one. Yep. Uh, full Marx, Marx Brothers podcast. You can listen to all of those as well as Totally Tin Tin and Completely Beatles. This is all for free. Just listen to them for free. And one more for free for crying out loud, because that's the spirit of Christmas. Yes. What's it called, Dave? It's called uh, The Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. It's me and my daughter, Mary. We are taking the mixtape project that I did three years ago. We're listening to the songs. We're enjoying the songs and just kind of commenting on them and, and discussing the background and talking about making mixtapes and all uh, and other things too. We Our conversations are seem to be kind of wide-ranging, much like this show. Yeah, a delightful father-daughter podcast. Why not give that uh, a listen? Uh, so all that's available at our website or on wherever you get podcasts, whether it's like iTunes or Stitcher or what have you. But what's our website, Dave? Our website is sneakydragon.com. Woo! You can go there. You can leave a comment. You can write to us. Our email is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Just like Marcus Harwell did. He sent us a very nice picture. That was very nice of you, Marcus. Thanks, Marcus. You can find us on Facebook. We are Sneaky Dragon. You can find us on Twitter. We are Sneaky underscore Dragon. The reason we're Sneaky underscore Dragon, someone else is Sneaky Dragon. They don't do much with it. They're not as cool as us, but that's life in Twitter. At least that didn't happen to us with full marks. Oh, wait. (laughs) It did. Oh, by the way, there is now a full marks uh, Facebook page you you put up. Yep. So there you go. Uh, Why don't you go like that as well? Why don't you go take that and like it? Please do. Please do. All right, everyone. I feel like the show ended in a shambles. Yeah. Nice. That's a good feeling. That's the way I like it, too. That's the way I like it to end. So, everybody, we will talk to you. Will we talk to them next week? Yeah, we will. Oh, yeah. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye, everyone. to mime okay why start now why start being ready now (laughs) so i just had to try and think of how we start the show sure how about like this take it away dave oh thank you i will hi everyone (laughs)